I'm going to call the uh, Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, May the 8th, 2017, to order. Um, let the record show that the meeting started two minutes after five. <coughs> that takes us to the adoption of the agenda. Councillors uh, should have uh, a copy of the agenda in front of them. Um, I will turn to administration first and ask them if there's any additions or deletions. Uh, we do have uh, two additions, uh, Your Worship. Uh, one under unfinished business. It will be a quick update on the arena tender process. And then one item to add for in-camera, and that will be legal. And any addition, any deletions? Uh, not at this time. <laughs> okay. Uh, what we'll do with uh, the presentations, we'll have uh, Community Futures go first, uh, then Peace River Palliative Care Society, and probably what we'll do right after that is we will uh, we will um, uh, uh, look at the uh, proclamation and make the uh, motion for the proclamation for the Palliative uh, Care Week. Uh, I think that'll smooth things out a bit, make it a little faster. Um, so, uh, does anybody else have uh, any uh, any additions or deletions? None. I'll take a uh, motion to adopt the agenda as as amended. Mr. Uh, Needham, all in favor? Okay. <coughs> Um, that takes us to the adoption of minutes. There's a set from uh, April the 24th, 2017. Are there any uh, corrections required to that set of minutes? Don't ask anything else or any changes. I'll include the minutes of April 21st to be accepted as presented. Okay. <coughs> Everybody agree uh, with that? Okay, we'll vote. Anyone in favor of Councilor Burke's motion? Are there any uh, public hearings, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Great. Uh, we'll take this right to presentations. And if I could call on Randy Hodgkinson of Community Futures to come up. I don't know what's the podium, <laughs> the desk. Uh, I don't know what they call it. It's a big podium, Mr. Murphy. And uh, if you could, Randy, if you could turn the mic on. And uh, perhaps for the record, uh, as this goes out to, to the podcast world, uh, perhaps state your name and, and position, and uh, we're more than happy. We're, we're keen on listening to, uh, to uh, your presentation on Community Futures. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, for the record, I think most of you know who I am, but I'll, my name is Randy Hodgkinson. I am here today wearing one of my many hats in the community and probably one of the most important hats, and that is the General Manager for Community Features Peace Country. Um, I think uh, it's very important to reach out and let, uh, let you people know who we are and what we do, so that's what this is all about. And I want to thank uh, Councillor Rod Berg for, uh, especially for the invitation. We had a discussion at a chamber meeting and it led to this. So um, on behalf of my chair, Mr. Raul, Johnson and my entire board of directors, uh, thank you for the opportunity to 
enlighten you a little on who we are and what we do. What is Community Futures? Community Futures is a nonprofit organization. We are guided by a volunteer board of directors and staffed by business professionals mandated to support business development and rural diversification through business services and community economic development within the region. Our board of directors are all members at large. We do have councillors who sit on our board, but they take that half off when they come to our table. Our board is not paid. They are not supported through their council to come to our meetings. The only remuneration they get is mileage and the occasional decent meal. Uh, so they are very much volunteers and members at large. With 26 municipalities within our region, it's a very large region. So as you can imagine, it'd be very unwieldy if every council decided to send a member to our board. So that's the reason our, uh, our, our forefathers made a decision not to go with, uh, with councillors on our board. There are CFs in the province that do have councillors on their board, uh, appointed councillors, uh, but we do not. There are 260 community futures offices across Canada with over 5,100 board volunteers. In Alberta, there are 27 CFs. Uh, all over the province. Community Futures delivers contract or delivers services to entrepreneurs through a contract with Western Economic Diversification. Western Economic Diversification contributes to our uh, operational funding. They do not fund us 100%. They fund us, in our case, they fund us about 85%, and it is our responsibility to find that under 50% to operate and deliver the mandate that WD asks us to deliver. Um, we do that through um, gathering sponsorship for certain programs and projects that we deliver from municipalities and from the provincial government. We've had no operational increase from WD since 2008. So we're beginning to, or going to enter into the 10th year of status quo funding from WD. We get approximately $294,000 in operational funding a year, plus we get a $15,000 northern allowance for transportation. WD also supported us through our, our loan funding. Uh, they um, gave us approximately, or, or gave us approximately $1.37 million in 1995. That has grown to $3.2 million. So the portfolio has grown through lending at Edmonton getting revenue through uh, low interest. The region is huge, 122,000 square kilometers, 50 communities, 44,000 population approximately, 26 municipalities and four First Nations. To give you an idea, we go from Twin Lakes in the north to Little Smoky, south of Valley View, from east of Little Buffalo to the BC border through the Rycroft Spirit River Corridor. Very, very large region. We provide services in three key community economic development areas. First is business development services, things such as business plan coaching, small business training, business resource library, market research assistance, and the celebration of entrepreneurs. We also deliver services through access to capital, and that's where you probably know us, is us better than, than any of the others. We uh, offer loans up to $150,000. They're flexible and affordable loans for expansion, for starting a new business, or for relocating an existing business. We also do maintenance loans, and, and we've been doing a lot of those over the last couple of years, as you can imagine, through this economy, uh, helping people over that hump. Competitive terms, WD mandates a 
a CIBC Rural Bank Prime plus 2% is the absolute minimum that we can go, which is approximately 6% at the moment. Most of our loans run between 8 and 9%. The way it works, uh, we assist clients with business planning and coaching. Once the business plan is in place, then we send them off to the bank. If the bank loves them, away we go. The, uh, if, if the bank turns them away, which they usually do for most businesses who are less than two years old, then they come back to us. We put together a presentation for our board, and our board makes a decision on whether to move forward with loans. The third uh, pillar of what we do under Canadian Economic Development is to assist uh, the Economic Development Officers Network in the region. We also work on uh, proposal development, project management, things like the POS conference, you'll probably remember, Think Local Market, those kind of projects we managed. We also uh, deliver uh, or assist projects with rural diversification funding through WD, things like the Think Local Market project and Wide Open Roads. Uh, it was about $270,000 that we accessed for those projects. We also assist with stride planning. We work a lot with nonprofits. The Ski Hill, we work with the golf course, we work with Chambers of Commerce and Farragut, Peace River, Manning, Valley, we've worked with uh, over the last few years. Impact. Since we started in 1995, we've done about 365 loans. 140 of those loans were within what would be considered the greater Peace River region. $18.5 million we've loaned out, 6.5 million of that within the Peace River region. As of today, 70% of those businesses are still in operation, which is really quite good. And we run about a 4% credit loss over the whole 365 loans that we've done. A lot better than some banks, as a matter of fact, considering who we deal with. Um, that's, that's pretty good. Over 660 businesses have been assisted and over, over 1,400 jobs have been created since inception. Some of the projects you'll be familiar with, Women in the North Conference is a big project that we hold uh, every April. We had the 10th year this year. 134 women registered for the conference. 131 made it through the door. Um, as I said, this was 10th anniversary. Uh, huge response. Great response. Wonderful response from the municipalities, uh, including this municipality. We very much appreciate your uh, your civil sponsorship. Uh, you've supported us through all 10 years, and we very much appreciate that. Uh, we also got sponsorship this year from Shell. Uh, we got some of their money, uh, the two about $10,000, and the Alberta government came to the table as well. Uh, there were actually nine municipalities also sponsored us this year, so great sponsorship. It's a, it's a, a wonderful conference. Um, something we started in January, which, which was basically very successful in Small Business Week last year, so we started it um, uh, every month we do a Lunch and Learn program. So we partnered with Peace River District Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Myers North Penny and the Business Development Bank this year we're sponsoring with as well, as well as Alberta Labor. We're doing eight training sessions. They go from 11:45 a.m. to 1:15 p.m. They include lunch, free of charge. So any entrepreneur who wants to come out, is, uh, we encourage them to do that. They're relative uh, and, and timely kind of uh, topics. Um, since January, we've had one, two, three, four sessions, and we've had 76 participants go through that training. Really popular and really good. May 17th is the next one coming up. It's uh, being delivered by Myers North Penny and it's growing your business. So um, anyone who would like to come to those, come have lunch on us and uh, get a snippet of training. Uh, very, very popular. Um, 
that's about it for us. We, we very much appreciate working with the town. Uh, the town has been extremely supportive to us over the years, and uh, we, we hope that that will continue. Um, we would encourage, if you have or know of any entrepreneurs who uh, could require assistance, that's what we want. We want to talk to them. We can't necessarily help everyone, but we love to talk to them to find ways that, that we can support them. I'm extremely proud of uh, Community Futures. I've been with this organization for 20 years this summer, um, and I think we make a difference in people's lives every day. Uh, we make a difference, and we do it very, very efficiently. Um, I think if you come out to, um, or come out to, a, to an AGM, for instance, we get clients who stand up and, and are very thankful for what we do to, uh, to help them through. So um, <coughs> that's the presentation. That's Community Futures in a nutshell. Um, you have any questions? So the lunch hour sessions, uh, they just go to your website and the topics are there. Absolutely. Okay. You bet. Mr. Hodgins, so you uh, talked about uh, uh, directing entrepreneurs to the uh, community futures. What are the criteria, what do you define as an entrepreneur? Uh, so would a with the Ski Society, right? Uh, be an entrepreneur, um, or is it has to be an individual or company? Mr. Mayor, what you're talking about is social enterprise, and we are encouraged by our funder to assist social enterprise. Um, our board in the past has always assisted them through supporting them with business planning and, and strategic planning and those kind of things, um, as opposed to funding. However, that uh, it doesn't preclude them. They, we would certainly look at it and uh, take it to our board. Um, there are CFs who do a lot of social enterprise funding. Um, I level, for instance, has probably half a dozen nonprofits in their portfolio that they've actually done loans to. Uh, our board has not been overly excited about doing those over the last few years, but that doesn't mean that we wouldn't look at it for sure. Can, can you give me some other examples of social uh um, entrepreneurial funding? Like a daycare, for instance, or a um, uh, so, social enterprise is, is defined as any nonprofit organization where the profits go, or the, the surplus or the funding goes back in to support the community. So a Rotary Club, for instance, or a, um, an agriculture society, or, or any number of those kinds of organizations are considered social enterprise. So um, they, they are certainly part of, of what is on WB's radar in terms of uh, supporting it. So, make sense? Yeah, it makes okay. sense to me. Curling clubs, golf clubs, non-profit golf clubs. Um, as you know, we've we've put in a, a whole new layer of infrastructure, i.e., optic fiber in, yep. in this community. So, my question is, where are we at with Think Local Market, and how can we? Uh, so can we leverage the fiber optic on the Think Local market? And can we, is there a way that we can encourage entrepreneurs uh, that, that want to be part of the digital uh, community, uh, the digital Audubon to uh, direct them to you? And what do you think that you would be able to uh, finance? Well, the, the, the Think Local Market is, is now actually, it's, it's um, administered through PREA, uh, 
uh, driven by Elmer McLeod, who's the EO with the County Northern Lights. But your champion within the town, I believe, is your communications officer, I believe. So we, we direct people uh, to, to the town because you, the town is part of Think Local Market. Uh, I believe, I'd have, to, <laughs> I'd have to check that one for sure. But, but absolutely, I'm a huge supporter of Think Local Market. I think it's an amazing opportunity for small business people to have an e-commerce presence. It, it is that. It, it's it's a, an amazing e-commerce platform that um, is free of charge for small business. Uh, it's it's an amazing economic development tool for your community. Uh, if, if you want to get in touch with your entrepreneurs and find out what's going on in, in your business community, it, it's, a, it's a perfect way to do that. Your EDO or your communications officer, whoever is doing that role, should be in touch with every small business and encouraging them to get on that platform. We leverage it absolutely. I mean, the, the, we have a we have a very good fiber optic net, network here, very uh, reliable as far as I can see. Uh, so it's it's an opportunity. If, if I was in business in this town, if I had a retail business or, or a home based business, I'd be on Think Local Market. Absolutely free of charge. Takes a little time to uh, uh, keep up to date and uh, take advantage of it. It's an amazing tool. So um, I hope that answers your question. And what about the uh, larger picture in terms of leveraging the fiber optic, not just uh, through uh, uh, Think Local Market? Is there a partnership out there that, between you and us and, and or other businesses that would absolutely do? My project officer, um, Sherry Crawford, and um, Conrad from Represent and I had a conversation just the other day about uh, that exact thing that with this uh, this huge opportunity out there uh, you can you can be in the town of Peter River and sell to Timbuktu um, so uh, it, it, it's a matter of, of trying to figure out what that looks like in that logistic and what you support and, and what kind of training you need to bring to the table so the conversations are, are taking place at the moment on how you leverage this amazing fiber optic we have in this community no reason why we can't be the Silicon Valley of the North, per se. I mean, that's, that's a little cliche, but there are huge opportunities out there. So uh, uh, one of the discussions has been around uh, what, what kind of conference and or seminar and or training that we can bring to the table. Uh, what can we facilitate to expose our entrepreneurs to that, those opportunities? So it's definitely on our radar. And we would love to work with the town of uh, Peach River administration on something like that so I'd encourage your administration to uh, if they have ideas come see us we'd love to do it well, that's kind of my question I was thinking of but I appreciate the, your presentation to the, the chamber and certainly I think it, to me there's some opportunities absolutely for us to work more closely together you know are there some specific things that you're aware of from your standpoint where we need to get our administration uh, at, at, at this point in time, I would say no. I think it's uh, the, the lunch and learn is a great opportunity. I'd love, I'd love to see a, um, uh, like a business or entrepreneurial network come out of the lunch and learn where, where the business community starts to, uh, uh, not in any way to dish, dish the chamber, because I think they do a, a, a decent job. 
um, but to, to start to bring them together and network and, and uh, almost um, almost have a support program for, for small entrepreneurs and that could come with a lunch winner. Um, I think I'm a huge believer in EDOs. And I know you guys have been down that road and I, I know some of the, the, the issues with it. But I believe that, that this community needs a champion uh, to stand up and wave our flag. Uh, I think we have the opportunity to do that. Uh, so I, I, I see it elsewhere where um, the, the right person in that position can do amazing things for our community. But it's got to be the right person. Uh, I've seen lots of not necessarily the right person in those positions. But uh, there's huge opportunity, I think, in, in our community. Uh, the fiber optics, the, the, our, our location, where we are, the, um, the oil sands, which are within a stone soil. I mean, there's huge opportunity in this region. We just need to uh, jump up and down and let people know. My opinion. Well, I've heard someplace, I'm not sure whether it's a good source or not, that in, for small, smaller municipalities, they get far more, have more successful in generating business by promoting entrepreneurs as opposed to trying to bring someone else in. That it's easier to get someone to start here and build their business here as opposed to try to pull someone in. Do you have, like, is that true? Is that kind of what you're seeing or? Oh, no, no question. No question at all. It's, uh, it's, you, you have a very large home-based entrepreneurship group and, and there's, there's a lot of people who run their businesses out of their homes and, and it's those people who then transition to your retail establishments to your your storefronts um, we, we've been talking about an incubator kind of a program for years and years and years and I'd love to see that something like that come come to fruition to assist those people transition but there's no question uh, just just like a store uh, I mean 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers it's exactly the same thing the resources you need to try and attract smokestacks into your community are huge, and, and there's there's very little guarantee because you're, you know, you just haven't got a lot of the resources that, that a lot of these companies can have to come here. But there's no question the opportunities to move small, small businesses into storefronts is is a lot easier, and, and there's lots of opportunity out there to do that. In my opinion, from what I've seen. Uh, curious, Randy, on uh, small business support uh, topic. So, uh, would would you fund or would you consider a feasibility study? A small business person says, "I've got an idea to do something." Uh, would you look at that, or do you expect that person to more come with his business plan and his homework done, and then then you jump into the process? Is there is there a, a yes or a no to that, or are you? There, there's no, there's no yes or no to that. We we have actually um, there's a, a quite a large business in this community that we funded their their architectural design phase um, with with a pretty reasonable chance that they would be moving beyond that stage and actually come to fruition. But uh, but my board bought into it at the design and architectural stage and supported that business. And, that business is now very large in this community, so there's no question uh, that, that we will look at it. Uh, I never say no to anything until we see it, uh, and my staff works um, on the how to get the yes. So a lot of times, maybe it's not us that can come up with some, some money to, for feasibility, but maybe we can help find some. 
green these days. There is money available through WD, through Western Diversification. Uh, there's a lot of hoops to jump through, but we can sometimes help to lower those hoops. But uh, the answer to your question is maybe. There's no yes or no there. I'm not certain looking at anything. I, I, I guess so. Solar panel technician, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen that you introduced the, the green word. <laughs> I was thinking about what the federal government's done, and they've certainly got to pass some legislation and create a, a whole new business out there, a whole new industry. So at the 90,000 foot level, it's WD. You know, you can, you can go downtown Vancouver and find 140 retail stores. So I'm sure someday there'll be something in the future, but at the high level, there's is WD looking at that there must be some marketing that's already been created in uh, terms of feasibility and retail operations? May I say it's on the radar. Um, we have, uh, I, I have personally, but uh, CF personnel has been to conferences around that industry, um, trying to see where we fit in. Uh, WD is doing the same thing. Where do we fit in? I mean, for years and years and years, we couldn't fund anything outside the law, obviously. Uh, the laws of the land, the laws of the land are going to change. So my expectation is that um, what will come down from on high is it's a legitimate business just like any other. So be prepared to, uh, to fund it. Um, it's going to be interesting over the next two or three years. Uh, and, and introducing that to my board is going to be uh, interesting. But it's on the radar. No question. Fair enough, thanks. Thank you very much, Randy. Thank you. I would uh, I would encourage you to um, uh, invite anyone you think might be of interest to sit on the board uh, to come talk to me. We uh, we currently are down to seven board members, and can take up to twelve. So uh, we're we're actively seeking board members, as uh, some in this room know. So uh, if you know of anybody that might be interested in sitting on our board, uh, come come see us. Sounds like Mr. Burr's interested. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Ms. Margie Channing, uh, palliative care. Channing? Channing. <laughs> yeah, I put an H in there. You did. <laughs> Welcome, Margie. Thank you. Uh, you can just, uh, for the record, just put your, uh, just state your name and, and the position you hold for the East Palliative Care System. Okay. Uh, my name is Margie Canning. I uh, am the Vice Chair of uh, the East Palliative Care Society at the Peace River Grimshaw. And this week is our, uh, nationally, it is uh, Palliative Care Week. So what we wanted done was to have our proclamation signed tonight. And then if you have any questions, I sent a, a brief note about what we do and what is palliative care, if anyone has any questions. I didn't uh, see that briefing, but maybe you could uh, just uh, speak to what palliative care does and the services that you provide in the region. Okay. Um, just to begin with, palliative care um, is the care that's given to patients um, at the
the last stage of their lives, at the end of their lives, when there's no other recourse, no other treatment, nothing is done, and, and so palliative care then is what that's called. And what we do is we can fund, uh, we have funded uh, people that are dying at home with wheelchairs. Um, we have a pretty big group. There's 25 of us, and so we have a group of 25 ladies that will uh, help with respite care in the home if someone has to have someone there all the time, then we can go in and sit with the dying patient and while their caregivers are going out and doing their normal things they have to do every day. And so we do do that. That is not often required of us, but it can be if it's a small family and and they choose, the patient chooses to die at home. We do fund two palliative care rooms, one in the hospital in Peace River and one in the uh, care center in Grimshaw and the Grimshaw Hospital. Hospital. Um, these are beds? Yes, yes, they're beds. A complete room actually mm -hmm. is dedicated to palliative care in both facilities. In Grimshaw, their facility is used for respite more often than it's used for uh, palliative care, but palliative care does have priority if that person is from that community. In Peace River, the palliative care room uh, that is set up, it's at the end of one of the long halls, the one to the north, and that room is set up. It's quite a large room, and all the furniture in that room, all of the supplies in that room, coffee, tea, that kind of stuff, we supply that. There's uh, televisions in there, two of them, and we have uh, uh, VCRs and that kind of thing to make it a little bit more comfortable for the families. Families are expected to stay with their um, dying relative or friend or however it is. There has to be somebody with them all the time. And so that's where we step in. Is we can go in there and relieve the family or the that. We have uh, bought all the furniture in both places. Right now we have a, a new bed on order in Peace River because recently we had a request come to us um, to have a bed where if it's a young person and their spouse wants to stay with them, there is no way they could even lay with them because the bed is too small. So we purchased a new bed. It is on back order. And, but it should be here soon. We've been working on that for about a year and I don't know why they're so hard to come by, but whatever, it should be here soon. And uh, also in Grimshaw, all the furniture in that room was purchased by us and all the stock is supplied by us. We also recently donated $50,000 to the um, Rock. Rotary House for a room to be furnished and hopefully we can use that room for families lots of times and especially in this community and because I've lived here all my life it, there's lots of large families here and that room in the hospital could 
well, it can accommodate a lot of people, but it can't accommodate people sleeping and staying over. So we're hoping that we can use one of the rooms in that facility for palliative care families so they can catch a nap or just get away for a little while or something. And uh, we're quite confident that that will happen. Do you have any other questions? Um, what is the difference between hospice care and palliative care? Like I know in other communities they have hospice rooms. They do, and in hospice rooms they have, in hospice care facilities they have nursing staff. And in our palliative care room we have nursing staff as well because it's part of the hospital. But in hospice care facilities, those facilities are designated only for hospice patients, right? So the staff, the doctors that attend there are dedicated to the patients in that facility. In our palliative care room, it is the same, but if there's not, you know, like lots of times we're short-staffed in a small hospital, so that's why we're asking, or the hospital is asking for people to be there 24-7. In hospice care facilities, that's not so. Or, or it's not. It, it's not saying that you can't be there. It's saying it's not necessary for you to be there. Okay, thanks. And in hospice care, all of the uh, people that work in hospice care are specifically trained for palliative care. In our hospital, our nurses know how to care mm -hmm. for palliative care patients, but they're not necessary, like they don't necessarily take extra training for that. Maybe one last question. How much does this bed cost that you're waiting for? $24,000. We put the down payment on it and um, it was ordered. Why it was back ordered is beyond me. I don't understand that. I worked in healthcare my whole life and I still don't understand that. But anyway, it's coming, so we just put the last $12,000 down on it. And if it has anything to do with hospital or medical, you can add 40% pretty much to a pair of scissors, so you know how that goes. This might have been in your report, sorry, I didn't get a copy of that, but um, your funding, is that primarily through your uh, Light of a Memory campaign? That, that is our largest fundraiser, and um, we do that once a year at Christmas time. But we do get um, donations from families that have used that room, um, sometimes people that have never even used that room. That's where their donation goes. So yeah, we well, unfortunately had to use that room when my grandfather passed, and it really is a wonderful facility, and it, it does accommodate a lot of like, an ability to visit in there as well, and and just spend some time in there. And um, I know our family contributes to that, but then they also my aunt actually contributed one of the uh, paintings on the wall in there. So it is it's it's quite a comfortable room for it those is. who have to unfortunately spend time there. Yeah. It is nice. Our family's used it only once, but and it was for a really short time. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that there were 
three people at the same time dying. And, you know, and so one room sometimes isn't enough, yeah. but we're a small community. Yeah. And it's something. We don't have the space in the hospital yeah. to do what we want. Anybody else have any questions? Well, I'm, uh, Discord in the media didn't come today. I mean, uh, certainly one of the things that we tried to do here is, is uh, you know, help expose, uh, well, in this case, palliative care, uh, and what you do with the facilities that are available and the services that are available and, and the challenges and what, uh, how, how you fundraise and that sort of thing. Um, but it is recorded, so hopefully they'll pick, pick up the story now. Um, and I understand that, um, as you mentioned, uh, May 17th to, 7th to the 13th uh, in, of this year, 2017, is uh, National Hospice Palliative Care Week. That's correct. And uh, we'd, we'd uh, very much appreciate if the town were to proclaim that. So uh, if I can uh, get a motion from a councilor to, uh, to, make, the record, to uh, make the motion uh, on uh, proclaiming this week is uh, National Hospice Palliative Care Week. That'd be great. Uh, Ms. Uh, Manzer? I uh, move that the town of Peace River have the mayor proclaim May 8th through 13th, 2017 as the National Hospice Palliative Care Week. So is it, uh, it's actually May 7th, right? So 8th, it starts today. Oh, it starts yeah. today, okay. Today. Great, uh, all in favor? That's unanimous. <laughs> <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll take, uh, well, we won't take a recess, but what we'll do is uh, I will, uh, I'll put my, my suit jacket on and I'll come forward and uh, we'll, uh, we'll sign, uh, we'll sign this week as, uh, Proclaimed this week as National Hospice and Palliative Care Week. And what uh, Autumn does is uh, she uh, she will. Uh, uh, I think we were uh, doing it right there. Oh, they they did it. Oh. Oh, okay, very good then. We we have really nice proclamations. You know, I, I was told that, but I was afraid that maybe it wouldn't get here, so. Very <laughs> good. And it has our logo on it, so. Okay, very good. How, how should we do this? Okay. You want me on the other side? Yes, sure. Probably clear the desk. Otherwise, it won't look like my desk at work. Yeah, well, that's probably my desk at work. Seat. I'll move the chair.
Thank the Marin Council for doing that for us and have a good meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you can stay for the business is under new business we'll carry on here uh, it's a uh, request for a decision on the sick policy um, uh, by -law. oh by law okay let's go to by law okay okay uh, we're, we're at by law so there's uh, by law 1999 is in front of us to amend the land use by law 1891 this is to add community outreach facility. And we have uh, Director McQuig and uh, our planner, uh, Ms. Alicia Bodie. Excuse me for being excited. Good evening. I'm here to present bylaw 1999. Uh, this bylaw comes to you because we have received an application from the Peace River Regional Women's Shelter. Uh, they have a women's shelter in town, and it is currently a legally existing but non-conforming use within our community district. So it was approved back in 1990 under the Lines Bylaw in place at that time as a public use, but between now and then our public use definition has changed, and the public use definition doesn't currently allow us to approve that use. So they've made an application to fix that situation for themselves because they hope to apply to expand the women's shelter. We don't have any information about the specific expansion proposal, but we're dealing with the, the issue of enabling it within the bylaw. So the bylaw tonight proposes to add a use to our land use bylaw to enable the women's shelter and similar development types. So in researching this, uh, this issue, I took a look at a number of different municipalities and how they were enabling this type of use within the community. And they had a separate use listed uh, rather than lumping it into a public use definition. Um, so that's the approach that we chose to take, uh, partly because we do hope to do a major overhaul of our land use bylaw, and when we do that, we will likely be wanting to pull apart our public use definition. So it didn't make a lot of sense to try and lump in another use of that definition when we know we want to pull it apart uh, in the near future. 
So we took a look at uh, Grand Prairie, Red Deer, and Edmonton, which all have this type of use enabled within their bylaw. And they all do it a little bit differently, but in the end we have proposed a bylaw that adds community outreach facility as a definition and then enables that use within the community development district, the primary commercial district, the mixed commercial residential district, and the riverfront development district. So the idea here is the community district will enable it for the women's shelter because they're currently within our community district, but when we took a look at how those other communities are enabling that type of use within their community, they weren't just doing it in the one district, they had it in a number, so we've also added it to allow some flexibility in terms of where we can deal with this type of application. Also recognizing that our proposed definition um, is a fairly broad one, so it doesn't just deal specifically with emergency shelter type uses, but is, well, the definition proposes it to be a means of development operated by a government or registered not-for-profit organization, which provides services for the health and wellness of the community. And then it lists a series of uh, different types of uses which would fall within that. So it's a broad variety and many of which do operate within our community today uh, within districts other than the uh, community district. So right now this use doesn't have any specific regulations within the bylaw associated with it. In terms of parking, it would fall under any uses, any other uses category which requires one space per 400 square feet of gross floor area. And I just also wanted to highlight for council that uh, this is a discretionary use in all of the districts that we propose. And within our land use bylaw, we have the authority to ask for a variety of information with respect to this type of use um, as part of the application. And that, without that information being received, the application would be considered not complete. And so we wouldn't be dealing with it until it was. So I can take any questions that you might have. So the first thing that popped into my mind when I read this, I would assume that Parkville Rose decided to fall into this category. And I would disagree. Why? Because they're proposing a t essentially a dwelling unit is what they're proposing. They're not talking about a, okay. an emergency shelter. Read your definition. Mm -hmm. uh, a registered nonprofit organization would provide services for the health and wellness of the community. How could they, how could you argue that they don't fall into that? All of the typical primary uses, none of them are a dwelling unit. That's why I would argue that. If, however, you would like some further words around that. Typical primary uses include, but are not limited to. So again, I, I think the way this is written, they would have a good case to, to say that they would fall into that which I don't really have a problem with. Again, like you say, it's still a discretionary use. Mm -hmm. And there's still other things. There's, that's the way I read it. Okay. And, and we did take that into consideration too in looking at purpose. And uh, in crossing that junction too, we also recognize that there are some significant groups that would not be jumped by any organization that wanted to do that. They would have to still jump through all those hoops to get to that uh, position where they could actually uh, be considered under this and also be considered for development permit as well. So ultimately, it would come down to the development authority and what they would determine, and if they, if Purple Rung 
or an organization similar to what they're proposing um, wanted to fall within this use and the development authority disagreed, then they could potentially appeal to our appeal board and then that would be the ultimate decision. Uh, if we want to uh, allow that interpretation, then we could leave the definition the way it is. If we didn't want to, we could provide some clarity around this use does not include any type of permanent dwelling unit. I mean, I, I don't think that six month uh, term in a dwelling unit would classify as an emergency shelter. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't really have a problem with the way this is worded. I just yeah. suggest that you might be leaving our door open and, and uh, as you said, there's a lots of other checks and, and measures, yeah. you know, if they can meet those, why shouldn't they be allowed? But isn't the woman shelter emergency Yes, which is why they would explicitly fall within this definition. My understanding of their proposal is that they're looking to provide a dwelling unit for someone for up to, including six months. To me, that's falling outside of right. emergency provisions. I think I think you ought to look at that. I, I'm not sure what other temporary shelters do, but I know some have been a shelter in Lethbridge. They moved there. In December and they're still there, so and, and and they're homeless shelters. So I, I tend to agree with Councillor Sasha. I I think that definition would include uh, Purple Rock. Okay, and I guess my follow-up question would then be: Is Council okay with that, or do you want me to take a look at making an amendment to it? I'm I'm on side with the two former speakers. This is this is the edge of the. Edge of the wedge. Can, can we not accommodate the outreach center without doing this? What, why are we why are we doing all this? Why don't we just deal with the outreach? Well, it sounds like the outreach center wants to make an application for additional funding. So why don't what? So why doesn't council just consider the outreach application and leave the bloody bylaw the way it is? You don't have the authority to do that. You have the authority. Doesn't have the authority. Council doesn't have the authority to deal specifically with the women's shelter application. You have the authority to amend the ballot to enable their application, which is what we're doing here. We could enable, or we could change the bylaw more specifically, um, but that tends to, that approach to the amending the line bylaw tends to lead to a bylaw with a laundry list of very specific listed uses, which is... Did the mayor sign an executive order? It strikes me, you know, that the outreach has existed for 20 years on a piece of dirt, and it's in a quiet neighborhood, it's where it is, and, and now we're going to do all of this because they want to build a garage, or they want to add on, or... I believe they want to extend the floor space that they have to provide their services. And I don't have the specifics of the application because that's the next step in the process. We have not made an application I, at this time. I, I'm not in favor of what's written here. Um, is um, something like a safe injection site, would that be under this or is that totally out to left field? Is that it? The way it's currently worded, yes, those types of facilities would be able to provide. But there again, keep in mind that even though that is allowed under the city, there's still significant hoops that we would have to meet under both the development permit and also the building permit. 
to make sure that all those checks and balances are met as well. But, but even though that happens, we, we can all point to examples where it goes to MPC or whatever, and it, they'll point back, the proponent will point back to this and, and look at MPC and say, how dare you refuse my application? Look what the language is here. So you're, you're basically signing off at this level as far as I'm concerned. Would, would council feel more comfortable if um, we bring a couple of definitions to the next GMP meeting? Um, that's coming up, well, it's a month from now, but. But this is just for agreeing, we can change it. We can, if you provide some direction as to the kind that you'd like, then we can do some research and bring back some options. I guess I'm not sure, like I'm personally not opposed to put the language just as much as some of my colleagues are, but and I, got, I think there's other ways to agree with this, but to me the wording here is the way a normal person would interpret it, a judge or my experience would be in the practice, this is tend to be fairly broad. Uh, again, I, I don't have a major issue with this purple run because they've got a bunch of other stuff that has to do with it. But probably the biggest is just funding. But. Ultimately, when even though we add this to the land use bylaw, this is a discretionary use. It means the municipality has the ability to say, no, this particular application, which falls under this category, is not appropriate and we don't approve it. So it does go to the no, that does go to the MPC. That is a decision that the MPC would be making. Right. And, yes. And, and my point is, there's been decisions made there that I think all of us have sort of had second thoughts about. And uh, I'm just saying that you're. I'm, I'm not opposed to what we're trying to do at the Outreach Center. It's just I, I think you're. This is way too broad as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think the issue is not so much the community outreach facility, but you're opening up, and, and I know there's been an example thrown around here, but it's not um, specific. I don't think we we're uh, we should focus on the specifics of that example, but uh, just that it seems to open the door to a lot of other facilities that. Uh, there may be some community opposition to whether they're safe injection sites or or uh, some other uh, type of facilities. So I I think the direction from council is really uh, well. Could you put in a definition that says uh, um, a women's shelter? Yes, we could if that was. Council's preferred direction. Uh, it does mean that we have very specific uses, and in some instances that makes sense, but it also means that you can have a very long laundry list. So it can be difficult to manage. Right, but like you said, it's only six months. Right? Or you're you're looking to overhaul the whole land use bylaw. That's true. Yes. So but but the community outreach facility, the women's shelter needs to get an application in. Usually these things have deadlines. Mm -hmm. If you try to accommodate those deadlines, perhaps the easiest shortcut is make the definition specific to the women's shelter or community outreach facility or, or however you term it. 
and then um, I mean, and it gives you six months to, <laughs> to, to think of another definition. <laughs> That's true. Could definitely go about it that way. If that's the direction. Perhaps I would also give counsel a chance to think of a, uh, a possible definition of the word. Uh, we get through this and, and we uh, decide to this. So I, I think we'd be ready to do first reading, don't we? With this definition? Well, you do first reading, they go back, they make those changes, they bring back second reading. Okay, so we would make first reading based on this definition? Well, I think that speeds along the process. Yeah, yeah. Because... Well, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, how do we do this so that we don't lose a week? This has least. to be advertised, right? It does have to be advertised. So but, I get my... but not with this de definition, though, then, right? You want to advertise it with whatever definition is going to come for second and third reading? My suggestion would be that council do first reading and also direct administration to amend the definition and if we're going to be that specific then why don't we also amend where we're enabling it and specifically deal with the community district which is where the women's shelter is currently developed and then we will advertise on that basis and then that will be fairly close to what we come to if you guys need to tweak that at second reading we have that ability but it'll be pretty close to what you're uh, I'll tell you what, because you're asking for a lot in that motion. Yes. So why don't we uh, we'll move on to the next couple of items, and if administration can draft a recommended motion, okay. uh, because I don't even think we know what this does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and then we'll come back to that at the uh, at the end of new business. Is that fair enough, or is that enough time? Or? This won't take as much. And, and the business about the parking stalls, is that a little too restrictive for, say, something like the women's shelter? I know that it shouldn't be the thing that craters the whole plan either. I definitely agree. There is some discretion within the parking provisions of the land use bylaw. Uh, that's our catch-all. Uh, so unless we... That would take me a little bit more time to research an alternate... But you could make that you could make that change in second reading though, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I'm looking at you as the expert on this. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're I we're gonna we do that, okay? Okay, good. So we'll give you guys uh whatever time you have. And if you need more time we'll take a break after uh new business or or we are new business, huh? So we'll we'll come back and but we'll go through unfinished business and new business and I'll give you some time. Okay, um, let's go to um, unfinished business. There's a request for a decision on joint capital fund with Northern Sunrise County. Um, there's no document for that. Try reloading it, maybe. Yes, I just went on. Email it because I emailed the updated one that had Hollywood there and this, but I called on. Maybe just print it out and uh, why don't you? Yeah, and then what we'll do is uh, Mr. Parker will pinch it and just so that we don't lose time, we'll go to the next item in the uh, in the beach. 
Trumpian strategy, <laughs> keeping those down and running. Oh, Executive orders and keeping the staff off balance. Okay. Oh, uh, your worship and council. Uh, no executive orders here, unfortunately. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> um, the report in front of council this evening is in regards to the Green Trip grant. It is in follow-up to our discussion from the May 1st Governance and Priorities Committee meeting. Excuse me. In regards to uh, the development of transit service through the Green Trip grant. Um, as noted in the report, administration provides council with an overview of the activities of which we have uh, pre previously reviewed. And we provide some options in regards to final decision making on the Green Trip grant program. Option one is to allocate additional capital funds for a transit service. As such, we provide advantages and disadvantages to this option and a capital cost expenditure, expenditure of $595,000. Option two is to decline to pursue the transit system for the Town of Peace River, thus returning the Green Trip funding. And again, uh, advantages and disadvantages to this option. One hates to return funds to the province. However, there are operational implications that have not been allocated at this time. Therefore, administration presents a recommendation to Town of Peace River Council to not pursue a municipal transit service at this time and inform the Provincial Ministry of Transportation that the town is unable to utilize the Green Trip funding. So uh, my comment on your recommendation was we uh, we we did uh, chat at the governance and priorities committee meeting with what I'll call state a stakeholder group. Correct. And I think we gave them the impression that uh, we need to return the green trip funding because the. The expiry date is out there and we aren't we we just don't have the funds to put together a bonafide municipal transit system but i think at the same time we gave them the impression and i thought we even stated this outright that this doesn't close the door on the municipal transit system correct and the way you worded it does not pursue a municipal transit system as a bit. They may feel that we have, uh, uh, yeah, we, we betrayed them. I'm open to Well, amendments. I would say, uh, could we, we use the words at this time after the word transit well, system? Well, no, I would just say that the, uh, the recommendation should, probably should be that the Town of Peace River Council inform the provincial ministry ministry of transportation that the town is unable to utilize the green trip funding grant and just leave it at that sure. i think as i re remember my notes say that um 
the delegation basically asked if we were open to having an advisory group in my thoughts towards the taxi pass um, parameters but maybe this as well well and, and the community services board has been providing that type of advisory consultation aspect um, through the development of the tax pass directive we could invite them to participate in some discussions on that but ultimately it, it's there's a discussion around the budgeting capacity that will come um, in the upcoming budgeting process. One of the things that I like coming out of that uh, that GMP meeting with the stakeholders is possibly uh, forming some sort of ad hoc committee with the stakeholders to further further discuss possibilities of a public transit system with returning like with returning the fundings as as the, uh, the mayor has stated, but. Uh, just to get some more ideas out on the table? Well, I, I think the ideas really need to be for the next council. Uh, I think we've done this budget, and uh, it's the next council that needs to uh, work on the budget. So right now, I, I think it, the question, you came to us originally and said, there's an expiry date on this free trip for funding. Yeah. And we need to give them an answer. That's They've right. given us a deadline. And right now, We're not I, I can't, yeah. I, I can't in good conscience implement this free trip funding. So we just need to deal with that. And really, I think uh, whether it's we strike another uh, advisory committee or we, or there's somebody comes up with a wonderful way to fund a, a transport, public transportation system, I think that really has to be done in the 2018 budget. Like this isn't, there's there's no time left in our, this, this common term to deal with that. Yeah, I tend, I tend to agree with you, Your Worship. The only, like the, uh, the idea of the ad hoc, ad hoc committee would not be to implicate or put anything on, on the funding, but start getting those ideas over on the table. Well, and I believe your transportation report that Alicia has um, done a lot of work, has provided with sort of the uh, significant um, options that are reasonable for a municipality to take a look at. If community members have additional ideas, we've asked for them, we would still encourage any sort of participation at that level. And I did have a, a discussion last week with a member who was looking for a little bit more information. So if they have further ideas, I'm not sure that we need to strike a full-blown ad hoc committee if there isn't the financial commitment to follow through on said um, ideas. So, if we wait upon the next council and see where some priorities lie. I'll put a motion on the floor that uh, uh, Town of Peace River Council direct administration to contact the Minister of Transportation and uh, advise that the town is unable to utilize the, grant, the Green Trip funding grant. So, uh, any, uh, any last comments? But the, I know I'm supportive of the motion, but just while well, we have administration here, so uh, 
when I'm running for my political job this October, I can stand up and say, uh, looking at the ridership numbers of the previous program, I, I get a number of, I see quite a range here, but I think it's more like $18 versus $6. So is, am I accurate to characterize that we can provide the same service using the Westpath system? Uh, again, I'm, I'll, I'll do some rounding of numbers here, but it's a, it's more in a $6 range than Correct. a diesel bus putting carbon fuel into the atmosphere at $18. That's correct. So we, okay. we had an estimate of 15 to 26. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty big range. Yeah, I, it I, is. So I it depends it on ridership. So we whoa, whoa, whoa. Estimating. we're estimating. You can't call the taxi pass a transit service. I am not it's calling it a transit service. That wasn't my... No. It's a subsidized transportation service. Well, my only point is, is that if you're looking at the cost of those rides, yeah. those are the numbers that we have. That's correct. Okay, we're going to vote on that. All in favor of Councillor Sutcliffe's motion? Thank you. Debate for another year. <clears throat> um, so, should we go back to. Uh, so, councillors should have in front of them the capital cost sharing accounts and the note put together by. Mr. Town, can uh, you speak to that, Mr. Town? Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Before you this evening is a request from the um, from Northern Sunrise County, indicating that they would like to utilize some of the joint capital funds for a um, park up in the county, Cecil Thompson Park, and their request is to access $75,000 of the joint capital funding, which is, of course, funded from both the town and the county. Um, so there's some information here in, uh, regarding what's happened within the account um, since it was um, implemented. $1.53 million of projects has uh, been funded throughout the account. And those are shown on the first page. And then on the second page of the report talks about the current balance of the account. Right now the, the current bank balance is $2,674,017. Contributions for this year have not been received. Once they are, they'll bring the balance up to just under $3.3 million. At the time of when this report was prepared, the uh, check or the commitment for the Rotary House had not been issued. That has now, in the last couple of weeks, um, but we'll treat it as a commitment um, for the uh, purposes of this report. Um, there's a further, um, the next line is the request from Northern Sunrise County for their park. And then town identified projects in here, which are for the Tulford Davis Events Parks washrooms of $195,000 and the Peace Regional, Peace River Regional Multiplex um, of $1.44 million with the um, intention of leaving $600,000 approximately within that fund for uh, future councils to deal with and utilize as they see fit. 
So this report really just discusses uh, Northern Sunrise County's request and this council's approval of that. Um, but there might be an opportunity if, if you're so inclined to formalize our request to Northern Sunrise County and have them um, deal with it at their councils if, if this council sees fit to do so. So, uh, Mr. Needham, you uh, attended Northern Sunrise County's council meeting on April 25th, didn't you? Yeah, I, I was confused. I guess it was actually the week before. And uh, um, I actually went back and read their minutes today. And um, I, 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 I would say that the, the minutes that's online isn't quite the my recollection of the meeting I, I think my recollection of the conversation was was very much the numbers here and when uh, when i left the meeting uh they were very supportive of uh, of, of the 75 the 195 the 1440 and the 600 601 uh, those numbers may not have been exact but so uh, i think I guess my impression was that that was a very successful meeting. Um, they had a discussion. Um, I was in the gallery, and uh, as far as I was concerned, we walked out of there with uh, $1.4 million. So I would, if council would like, I have one, two, three, I have four numbers, and I can try a motion that captures all of them or we can just do one that well, maybe before you go uh, make a motion i'll just uh, reiterate that or echo what you said i was at the same meeting i was um and it was councillor duval that spoke to uh most often on this item and really there seems to be a consensus that yes these three items uh, Cecil Thompson Park, 12-foot Davis Park, and the Peace River Repo Mall duplex. Uh, uh, be, uh, be able to access the Joint Capital Fund. And their, their consensus seems to be, seem to be well, I'm, in fact, I, I remember them saying, so as long as there's 600,000, I the 300,000 the town of Peace River contributes and the 300,000 that we're contributing this, this year be left in that fund. Was that your recollection? Yes, that was, that was, uh, that was, it was clearly stated. So, uh, why don't you make a motion and then see if we can do it. Let me, uh, try this and, uh, we'll see if we can, uh, if I, could, I did write something out here, so just bear with me, but i make sure I get the numbers right. So my, the town of Peace River approved the expenditure from the Joint Capital Fund of $75,000 for the Cecil Thompson Park upgrades proposed by Northern Sunrise County, $195,000 for the installation of the washroom facilities in the 12-foot Davis Park, and $1,400,040 or the Peace River Regional Complex with the understanding that the remaining balance, $600,601, be used for future initiatives. Just clarification is that the $1,440,000, not, not $40, I heard $40. Yeah, I okay, so it's $1,440,000. Yeah. 
So I, I can try that again, just in recap. So it's 75. So we are confirming uh, with Northern Sunrise the 75 for Cecil Thompson. We are confirming the 195. We are confirming for the 195 is for the washrooms. We're con confirming the 1,440 for the recplex, and the remaining balance is 600,601 dollars for future initiatives. So at, um, I'm going to turn to you, Mr. Parker. So did they make a motion on Cecil Thompson Park? Or they just wrote us a letter? I, I think they made a motion. Uh, actually, they wrote us a letter. But their letter says that they made a motion. On December 13th, council made a motion to request that the amount of 75000 be taken from the Northern Sunrise So they haven't made a motion on these two items, on the other two. And um, have we formally written a letter on the other two? Well, they formally wrote a letter and said we made a motion, so. Well, on this one. Yeah, yeah on the Cecil Thompson. Yeah, right. Cecil so Thompson. should we not keep those separate then? Why don't they made a formal request on this one? Do we not have to give them a letter of formal request on this even though they had the discussion of the council. I, I think we need to move ahead. We, we need to, uh, we need, well, they can, they can all, they can, they can always make another motion that says otherwise, right? So, so what is our letter to them saying? That we agree to take those three projects out of the fund, right? And we made this motion, it would be our letter. Based on discussions and discussions that you've had at your at your uh, council, uh, we've approved Seafood Thompson Park, and, and uh, the motion goes on to. Well, you could make it into two separate, but uh, well, it could be one letter. It could be one letter saying council agreed to your request dated December for the Seafood Park. We also passed the council also passed the motion to agree to the other two, and then it's up to their council to pass the motion. And, and, and to be quite honest, this was discussed in the, the subcommittee. Yeah. So uh, it would be it would be very much like that. Would be the seventy-five thousand. Yeah, just formalizing the request and and, and for the other two projects. But uh, council, just long as you're aware, the Crawford uh, Davis event washroom park probably won't be done this year. Um, It'll just be beyond our capacity right at this particular time. But we we have a lot of it done, but we probably do it for early next year if we could. I'm think I'm thinking, if at all possible, that would not be a wise move. Well, it wouldn't be a wise move to leave it till next year. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you. That impacts our motion because really what they said was you need six hundred thousand dollars in it and the rest the rest goes to the So if you can't do the Yeah, well you guys shouldn't have budget for it then. 
Um, you, you guys need to do it. If we're going to write this motion, we, we need to dig deep. You need to, or you tell us now that you, there's no way you can do it. There's no, what's the point of making a motion to take this money out of the three capital? To be quite honest, it'd be extremely difficult to do it this year. It would be. Um, I, I did talk to the director, um, um, and it'd be, it would be just stressing our capacity rate as well. We, we can withdraw that part, but um, it would be extremely difficult. So that means you would, you would leave that, whatever it was, 100? Well, maybe we should take it. Well, it wouldn't be withdrawn out of the fund until such time as we yeah. do it, right? I mean, I mean they, they authorize us to use it for that project, and if the project gets stalled for a year, the money would just stay in that fund until such time as it is used, would it not? It All we're asking them for is to acknowledge that that money will be, will be directed at that project. And, and it would it would stay into that fund and wouldn't be dedicated to anything else it's, uh, until we actually start saying okay we want to take that up to use for that project so uh, it just would be dedicated for those mushrooms that'd be the second or third time that this council's had a project way over like unless the deputy is aware of concerns from northern sunrise that we haven't delivered or haven't spent the funds here that been approved um, no, I have no awareness of that. I'm just thinking, okay, here's kind of one thing that we put off again. You know, it'd be nice to finish that, but I guess if there's no capacity, meaning we have no people to do it and no yeah. time to engineer the. Yeah, there's, there's no capacity in administration in the town, perhaps we can give it to the skateboard people. Well, let's let's just vote on the motion. That's a whole different debate. This this washroom facility. Do we want to leave it in there? No. Well, I was just gonna say, like, if we're uncertain as a town, I don't think we want to ask for it and then say, oh, we've changed our mind, we don't want it anymore. Like, I just well, we we would want the washroom facilities eventually. Yeah, we 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 want the administration saying that they they won't be able to execute until next year. What it would be in this would it be in the spring you'd start that project? Or when would it be the start date? You were Bell could probably come on up and uh, I do a little <laughs> assistance on this one. Handling as well. Um, it, this too is actually a significant engineering issue because if we do a prefabricated system, it has to be craned over into the um, park. So we need to look at the logistics around that. If we do a package that's engineered, we wouldn't be able to complete it this year at all. Design, build, the window would be too short. This actually came off the capital list in terms of our priorities or our work plan after the final capital budget was passed. So that's part of the reason our timing is, would be squeezed. So based on your options, do we even know if $195,000 is going to cut it? Yeah, that, that would be cost this year. When we did some quotes for the 2017 budget, 
but was that looking at either or option or was it only focused on one option um, it was the pre-fabricated pre option so the craning option yeah and it factored in the fact that you had to crane it um at the time we were looking at trekking it across and we're not sure we can complete that so there is some question marks so we haven't done all the detailed work around how this would be implemented so hence that's another part of the reason why we're not 100 percent certain it can be completed this year that brings up another question you're saying this came off after you approved the budget this came off are there other things that came off the capital program no no, no. during the capital budget process that my understanding when i walked away from the capital budget final meeting was that this was we were going to look for other grants that was we were, we were going to get other monies to yeah. do it we weren't going to dip in our own funds but that doesn't mean that we weren't going to do it with the funds if the funds showed up and we weren't going to do it if the funds if we were able to find a grant then great but there hadn't been anything to date well the game plan was to get it out of the joint capital fund, but like I said, that this is a discussion on a whole other item. Although it does, I guess, Councillor Benke is saying, well, um, to put words in your mouth is, should we should we not take 195? Should should we take the 195 and just put it towards the arena? Well, I guess what I what I'm saying is is I just have a hard time asking them for a pro to fund a project that now we don't know how we're going to do it or what it's even going to cost. Mm -hmm. I, I don't disagree. So what if it comes back and we have to crane it in and it's three hundred thousand dollars to do it? Are we going to go back and ask for another hundred? And if we can't get it, then we don't do the bathrooms. Like that, I guess that's my only concern with this is there just seems to be not enough clarity on the project to ask for funding on it if we don't even know what we're doing. I, I assumed we did, but I'm, I think I must have missed something. So again, I think I, I tend to agree. If we don't know what we're getting into, I think we have to just leave that 195 in the fund. You know, they've, through their discussions, agreed that they would take it down to 600,000, but they didn't say that they would throw that extra 195 into the, um, the rec complex. There might be some bite back on that. If they agreed on that 14.4, the, the, the 1.4 they just said the remainder the remainder everything see Cecil Thompson and and, and with with everything else is just leaving 600,000 in, in the uh, in the budget for for uh, for the next council well I, w I would feel comfortable in, in getting the money for the Cecil Thompson agreeing to that to what the number there that was for the for the rec complex and if they're still in agreement with you know we go back to them and say look we can't do this other project we'd like to put that other money into the uh, rec complex then if they agree to that then they agree to it if they don't it stays in there so that's, uh, I think that they have to have they have to have another look at this if we're changing what they basically agreed to already the money like if we looked at the funding payments are gonna to have to be made for the multiplex this year like if we don't start work until middle I'm not saying we don't start work really the way this thing was written there was three projects that we agreed to fund 
Now, if we're only agreeing in front two, we haven't taken any money away from what was already agreed for the rec complex. Well, I guess my point is, will we need any of that money for the rec, rec complex? Because just with the staging, in six months, we're not going to spend all the money. So, it's, like, the, it's the commitment. Yeah. It's the commitment to the project rather than uh, we're going to write a check tomorrow, so let's cover it in the bank account sort of thing. It's the commitment of 1.44 million that is important rather than the timing of the check writing sort of thing. Um, I, I'm of the mindset that yes, for the 75,000 for the park, uh, yes, for the 1.44 million, but I think we need to be very upfront on the 195 for the, the washrooms. Either we're asking to um, spend that money on the washrooms or we're not. And if we're not, be very clear whether or not it's going to the multiplex or the request that it does or doesn't sort of thing. Well, 1.4 million is, is a commitment, so maybe we should just take a commitment on the... Uh... Yeah, your worship, I, maybe this will help us. I, I will withdraw that motion. I would just put a motion on the floor that council approve the contribution of $75,000 from the Joint Capital Fund to upgrade Cecil Thompson Park. I would suggest we vote on that and then let's deal with another motion on these other matters. Okay. Okay, all in favor of council meeting motion. Okay, Cecil Thompson. So we got another motion then? Well, I can try something else here. I'm trying to sense where council wants to go. I, I'm of the mind that whether or not we spend the money is, is you know, it's a little like our arena funding. Do we have 15 point something commit, uh, in the bank? No, we have 15 some million committed. So uh, maybe a motion that says uh, council approves further commitments from the joint capital fund for $195,000 for the 12 foot Davis events park and one million four hundred and forty thousand for a rec flex full stop uh, i think we should leave that six hundred thousand we should mention the six hundred thousand okay and, and leave whatever's because they were big on the six hundred thousand that's all they talked about was six hundred thousand okay well, I would suggest then that, there uh, it is again, Ruth, you may have to help me here. Uh, I would put a portion on the floor, Your Worship, that Council approve commitments from the Joint Capital Fund for the 12 foot Davis events washroom project at 195000 and further commitment of 1440000 for the Peace River Regional Multiplex and the remaining balance of $600,601 for future joint capital fund initiatives. Can we strike commitment out of there and just, or just so, so say that again, what, what, what strike the commitment, just say approve all right. Uh, uh, would the council the council approve uh, the release of 
$195,000 of the 12-foot Davis uh, for the washroom facilities at 12-foot Davis Park and uh, $1.44 million for the regional recreational complex. All right, so and, I and I with leaving, uh, leaving uh, $600,000 uh, or $601,000 in the joint capital fund for future use. Future initiatives. Future initiatives. All right. Uh, we can, uh, this would be the longest recorded motion <laughs> of, of history. So, council, bear with me. So, council approved the release of. $195,000 from the Joint Capital Fund for the 12-foot Davis events, washrooms, and further $1,440,000 for the Peace River Regional Multiplex with the understanding that the balance of $600,601 be for future Joint Capital Fund initiatives. Can I ask one question? I'm sorry, it's probably don't, don't, semantics. Don't do this to me. I'm sorry, Colin, it's semantics, I think, but has Northern Sunrise already approved that? Like they made a motion to approve it? Well, no, they had a discussion. Yeah. They, because they, I guess they, that's they, my question is if they didn't make the motion, can we can we withdraw it? Or are we not just supposed to be saying that we were making a request to withdraw it? Yeah, I well, what, what was their motion? Theirs was making a request that that be taken out. It's right here. It says that council made a motion to request that the amount of seventy-five thousand yeah, be taken. Yeah, but what was their actual motion? Not, not what they said in the letter. Oh. Uh, yeah. I guess I just don't want to say we're authorizing it. It's really it has to be a joint authorization. Yeah, right. Well, that. I don't disagree at all with the motion or where you're going with it. I just want to make sure that when we're wording it, it's... Yeah, we've gone into trouble on this wording once before, I <laughs> Agreed. realized. Yeah. So. Well, the only question I would have them is just specifically on the washroom project. So if the funds are going to be committed for that washroom project, that uh, wouldn't be... So the, we could possibly start the project this year, but it wouldn't be completed this year. It would possibly be, be completed next year. With, with the resources that we have at that time. Yeah, they could dig up the trees and I'm sure the lost the engineering can, can put it on. Well, just an oversized second gate was. I guess the, I'm sorry, I guess on my motion, the preamble is council approved the release of funds from the joint capital fund. Perhaps the motion is, um, well, it, it's satisfactory, but maybe it's the cover letter that goes with the motion that says that Town um, Peace River had this discussion on May the 11th. Uh, council uh, is following up to the verbal discussion that we witnessed at your council table on April the 18th with Tarpey and Needham in attendance. Subsequently, uh, a motion was passed, see attached. Uh, this is the way we see the joint capital funds being spent. Being spent. 
Is there something in there that administration can work with? Yes, um, the, the, their CAO did contact me and just says, I just want some numbers sent to me in a letter, everything. So that's what I'll do. Your Worship, I know it was on December 16th. I've seen it. It's just digging it back out again. It's time to see. All right. Yeah, okay. Could you continue with that? And uh, Mr. Parker will pinch in here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it'd be good to see what they actually have they were in theirs. But but you know when when do you stop going? Well, we 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 have a motion that we'd like you to approve this motion. Uh, so don't don't we as a council just have to formalize that we agree to the request to come in out of that capital fund and we send it to them? Well, that has to be a motion. Well, I know we make a motion to to request that they agree to it. That's all we have to say. Which is largely what they just said to us for the 75. Well, yeah, I know exactly. It's, it's the same thing. Like they've made that choice that they want to want to take money out for that project. We're asking them the same thing for ours. So we just send a request that they agree to fund the project. Well, let's see what their wording was. And we'll, we'll move to the next item. We'll copy their wording. So we'll come back to it. Uh, should we have a table of motion for this one then? Okay, uh, so table it for that and Correct. Okay, a motion to that effect, please. So I would do that. Okay, all in favor? Okay, so what are we at here? Um, well, are we at the water's leader policy yet? We are with Your Worship, the Council, this is uh, bringing back the, the water leader policy that uh, we discussed during the GMP session uh, two weeks ago. And uh, at that point in time, uh, Mary Council directed administration to provide a revised option for the water leader to uh, discuss the uh, replacement of leaders over a 10 year program and also provision in there for what to do if residents uh, don't want to uh, get on board with the program, what they're going to do at that point. So we went back and, and looked at that and uh, in discussion uh, with Director Town and myself, uh, we looked at uh, funding the program over a 10 year portion, uh, 10 year period. And so that is what is presented now as option two, which is to replace the existing policy with the attached potable water service bleeder policy, which aimed to remove the 160 136 manual water bleeder devices over a 10 year period and the 86 aquaflow devices over a subsequent seven year period by providing up to $4,500 per water bleed device slash aquaflow device to correct potable water service entrances to current municipal standards, which would be correcting them to the proper depth where we're not worried about them freezing. 
So the advantages uh, to this obviously revitalizes the existing program to encourage removal of the existing bleeder devices and clarifies the town's direction dealing with the service sections of the water and bleeder devices. So disadvantages, uh, the residents may still not like to have their services upgraded if a uh, portion of their service uh, is way above the $4,500 uh, then, but the proposed policy would then provide the ability to put the responsibility on the resident for the water usage uh, through the water bleeder by relocating the bleeder onto the, the resident's meter side. And then the, the resident would begin paying for the water. So financial implications to this is starting in 2018, so the program is still uh, looking at uh, making this a capital, an annual capital program, uh, which would commit the town to funding 612,000 over, or, you know, 612,000 over 10 years, or 61,200 per year, for removal of 14 manual water bleeder devices per year. Council could then elect the program to uh, continue that for another seven years to correct all of the applicable devices. Uh, where the funds are not used to correct the service, they would be then used to move that water bleeder device and isolation valve to the resident side of the meter. And the other two options, of course, were uh, the same as before, where we could retain the existing policy, which is no longer relevant, or option three is just totally remove the policy and do not replace it. Any questions? Yes. So uh, you're you're saying a ten year term, and you basically divided it equally in those ten years, and that's what the budget amount would be that much. That that is what we're so we're assuming that there's going to be no rise in cost to do those, or that as it gets higher, the homeowner is going to incur more and more percentage of the cost to replace. It's it's something the way I've worded the policy, and if we looked at. Item eight in the policy itself says, if the owner chooses to relocate their existing pump of water line below the fossil to eliminate the bleeder, then the town will provide financial assistance up to an amount approved by council per service to have the water line relocated. So we do have the option as, and since we're looking at making this a capital program, that amount would be budgeted within the capital plan. So in subsequent years, if we're finding that there's a you know, we're really getting, uh, or the $4,500 is not really uh, incentive enough for the resident uh, to get the bleeder removed. We could address that when we're doing our budgeting process. So when, I guess the other side of the coin is, what if in the first year you get 20 people or want to get their bleeders removed? It would be the first 20 people to come forward, or the first 14 in this case. I thought you said that you, you would just gear it around uh, uh, where we're focusing it to make it renewal so that we would sort of take advantages of the time of the state. Uh, that, well, we would send our letters out to those individuals first. But if we have residents coming forward saying this policy and say, I want to get on board, then I think I would probably look at it as the first 14 applicants within that given year. Should there not be though a minimum then in here of if, if we're a, if we're setting a limit of forty five hundred dollars right now and you're saying well maybe costs are going to escalate and it's you know now it's going to be twice as expensive to do it as it was you know in ten years than it is now I mean the council of the day may not 
think the same and they may say, okay, well now the homeowners have to pay 80% of the cost or 90% of the cost. Like, I just, I'm a little bit, I hear where Terry's coming from and the, the ambiguity and it makes me a little bit, a little bit nervous. See, and kind of looked at the policy of, you know, needing to do a 10-year program and a seven-year program to get them all done. Uh, it gives us a little bit of flexibility of how many we get done in a given year. So say in three years, uh, council likes that within the capital budget process to say, no, we just want to get the rest of them done. You know, then we have that ability to uh, budget that in this next uh, capital uh, plan year, have that and put that in there so you know, we can control our costs through that period. That makes sense. The council of the day can always change the policy. So the we 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 can't convince them to forty eight hundred or eighty percent or ninety percent, and uh, I guess this encourages people to come forward sooner rather than faster. We still can't even accommodate them all though, based on this. We can only accommodate fourteen. Right. Well, the, but the issue was if we did everything in one year, it'd be forty eight hundred. Four hundred eighty thousand dollars. Where we where were you going to find four hundred eighty thousand dollars? This just makes it more manageable. So the forty five hundred um, that was the estimated cost to do it today. Yes. So that was one hundred percent of the cost to do it today. Uh, for an average service, and because some services are going to be. Uh, different and uh, some are going to be fairly short services to do. Some may be like a short service may be 40 feet. There may be some services that may extend to 80 feet. So we have to take kind of an average, and where I've uh, taken that number, I was looking at what we're uh, currently looking at for our 2016 Neighborhood Renewal Program of what we're looking at as an average per service in there. For, uh, renewing the water lines through there. So I have a question. I you probably won't be answering. I'm not comfortable making a decision on this without getting this information. There's 130 services out there. How much detail do you know about it? Like, in some cases, the problem may be between the service, the the distribution line, and the curb cut. In some cases, it may be the other. Know, between the, the curb cut through, or maybe the problem the whole line. Do we know? You know, like you don't know those kind of details. Do you just know no. that this house has a problem? We know that each house has a bleeder because they've had issues in the past, or when the service was put, put in, it was known to be a shallow service. Uh, but you're right. You know, each each case is going to be very specific. Well, and that's right. Like we need to have a different set of rules for each one. Like if if a homeowner or contractor built it knowingly, left it shallow. I don't know the town staff will pay anything. They have to do it. I'm aware of some people in town that have readers of this and they never have to use it anymore. They use it once one time. So again, it can be something as simple as they change the landscaping, move the sidewalk, and now they don't have a problem with it anymore. Like, I, I, I think the, 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 the crux of the problem comes in is that the town elected to have the readers put in you know, before we reach the meter. And by doing that, assume the responsibility for that piece of it. Uh, later, rightly or wrongly, you know, whatever happened previous, uh, either in public works or for previous engineers, I, I can't speak to that. So 
So there should be an agreement with the landowner when that when that was put in. Like have had the town did the town when the, the the resident has a problem, they come, they do town hall about we'll get we say okay we're putting a bleeder. Is there a written agreement with the landowner? Well but when you brought the information that the government surprised me. It was a 1993 policy, a 1994 policy. So that's over 20 years ago. Yes. So these councillors around the table are asking me for paperwork that would have, that possibly may have been filed over 20 years ago, and asking me to dig it up. And and the and the council of the day said we need to replace all these bleeders. None of them were replaced. You've identified it as a problem that can uh, impact the infrastructure of the town. And, and you said, okay, to do it all in one year cost me basically half a million dollars. You council, if you want to implement it to protect infrastructure, you need to come up with half a million dollars. And I, th I thought we sent you away and said, that's I just can't see coming up with half a million dollars. So spread it out over a reasonable amount of years. And I guess that's what you've come up with, right? And that's correct. And we, so what, what, are we gonna waste all this administrative time going through each and every record and, and getting into an argument with the homeowner, whether he's responsible or she's responsible? Well, but if, how, how many are, are still a problem that the, they're using the bleeder? Like if, if some people don't, is it one out of the 130 or is it, you know, 60 out of the 130? Well, is, is that the real issue? Because, well, I, I because think we haven't had a problem since 1994. And, but but uh, Mr. McQuaid is saying this, is a, this puts our infrastructure in some jeopardy. So I think at that point, uh, in some cases where a resident hasn't experienced any issue with his water service in 20 years and has a bleeder there, I think those are the easiest ones to deal with because then what we do is we just kind of cap the bleeder right there and walk away from it. And, and, and that's it. The thing had me had turned on. Like we have to go back to our record to see which ones were turned on and which were not turned on. And the other thing is if we're looking at a process over a 10 year period, it could be up to 10 years. We could we could accelerate that program depending on the funding. And where can we get some of the funding? We actually do have capital reserves and what we would do uh, is we could borrow from ourselves and pay us back at a rate of return. Uh, that is reasonable that we would have to pay if we borrowed it um, you know, from the uh, uh, financial uh, institutions there. I thought you were gonna spend my capital reserve holding up the hills of the dollars. <laughs> We get a few bucks, so, um, but you know, there, so there are ways that we can either accelerate this 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 program, but it's it's just trying to get something into place right away and seeing what the um, the extent of the, the issue is, and, and also the extent of the results of people who want to actually have this project done. Um, I believe uh, there was one counselor who said they haven't had this on in years, and so maybe that's that's a perfect example. We probably would need to use it. And another portion that we're looking at uh, bringing on with this program is trying to do as much of this in-house. So um, wasn't part of the initial issue or discussion about water was the, the cost of water that we're producing that we're not getting paid back for and 
this leader thing kind of works into that? Because some of the water that is being, I don't know, let away is not um, yes, we're treating being paid for. That is not being used as bottled water. We're just using it to maintain the water service. So it's going right down the drain or the storm sewer. So the, the water bleeders that basically nobody has had issues with in over however many years, what percentage off the top of your head where there's no issues? 75, 80, lower, higher? I, we would have to go resin by resin to, to get that kind of detail. And the other question I have, and this come, comes back to, to the GMP meeting, and then you had mentioned it again, again this evening, um, so let's say there is a resident that is having issues. So if I'm understanding everything correctly, these lines were possibly put in too shallow, which would be the developer's responsibilities. So being those developers are gone and we put water bleeders on them, and I heard you say that we assume that responsibility yes. when the water bleeders went on. So if there's a residence that um, is having issues and we're only doing for what happens if let's say that repair happens to be eight or nine thousand dollars why are we going after the homeowner if it's our responsibility well, part of the, the responsibility is also on the homeowner, homeowner as well uh, when you're looking at this becomes the, the crux here is you know translation when we were going from strictly the CC and that was where our connection ended to where before we were going up through the water meter. As there was a comment at the GMP meeting as well, is that when you're purchasing a home, that wouldn't the the depth of that water line, whether it's before the curb caught or after the curb caught wouldn't have been disclosed to the homeowner. They wouldn't have known. That's so, most likely the case. So there again, I'm just coming back to the issue is why, if, if we assume the responsibility and we put the curb caught on there, why would we go after the homeowner for this? So I guess if there's no existing bleeder on that service line today, then yes, we, the homeowner is totally responsible yeah. Like we are responsible to the CC and that's it. You know, and then the homeowner is responsible for his pieces service from the CC into his home. So if there's no existing bleeder, he is clearly responsible for that portion and that is not what this is looking like trying to do. Yeah, no, but I'm speak I'm specifically speaking to if there's a water bleeder on a home. Yes. That there is an issue right now. So to go and to go and fix that if it's over that forty five hundred dollar limit. There, there again. If it's if it's our responsibility, why wouldn't we pay the five or six thousand dollars rather than going after the homeowner? Think it's not his response. It's not their responsibility. Well, the other thing is when when you buy a home and you check it out, if you see that there's a bleeder in your utility room, you should be saying to the guy selling you the house, "Why is this here?" I mean, it's still partially on the homeowner. You know, it's the same thing as. Whatever you look at the roof and the shingles are falling off, and you talk to the guy and he tells you about it. I don't know. 
potentially, you know, and from our standpoint, yeah, we could let the leader just be there forever. But we're looking at trying to re reduce our responsibilities here and provide some incentive for the homeowner to get that water line deal. Okay, it's it's time to fish. We've got to stop cutting bait. Administration's making a recommendation. Somebody needs to make a motion. Because we're bleeding away lots of valuable council time. So motion. Oh, I guess if there's no motion on it. I'll put a motion on the floor to accept uh, Council Strange's uh, recommendation. Um, listed under option two to replace the existing policy by the attached potable water service bleeding policy, which would aim to remove 136 manual water bleeder devices over a 10 year period and 86 aquifer devices over a subsequent seven year period uh, by providing up to $4,500 per water bleed service aquifer device to correct bottom water service entrance to current municipal standards. All third. Opposed? Okay, so that's uh, five to two. Okay, we debated that so long, my, my computer decided to go to sleep. Okay, so we are now at Yeah, we should, uh, well there's two of them to return to. So uh, let's deal with the first one that we put a, set aside so Ms. Modi can go home. I do have a recommendation, recommended motion for uh, bylaw in 1999. parts. First would be for Council's motion to proceed with first reading of bylaw 1999 and amendment to Lanny's bylaw number 1891. And the second would be to amend bylaw 1999 to enable a women's shelter as a discretionary use in the community development district. Okay, is that it? That's pretty simple. So there's two motions, right? So the yes. first one was again? The first one was to have first reading of bylaw 1999 and amendment to Landy's bylaw number 1891. Okay, so who's gonna make that motion? Councilor Ford's making that motion. All in favor? Okay, and the second motion that you recommended? To amend bylaw 1999 to enable a women's shelter as a discretionary use in the develop community development district. Okay, are you taking sure. responsibility for that? Okay, that's uh, Councillor Ford's motion, all in favor? Passed. Okay, uh, we will now uh, go back to the Joint Capital Fund with Northern Sunrise County. Uh, Ms. McQuaid, could you read back the motion that uh, 
question that they were too shy to ask at the GP meeting. I guess, sorry, right away, question. so we're rescinding these particular parts of that policy? Yes. And the rest remains intact? Yes. So these are the pieces of the personnel policy that speak to sick leave. Yes. Okay, so I'm assuming you'll make that motion to Mr. Sargent. Administration's recommendation here. Uh, yes, um, I move that uh, council accept uh, administration's recommendation uh, to rescind. Uh, do I need to read those all out? No, I'll just say uh, to adopt uh, administration's recommendation. Recommendation. All in favor? Okay. Thank you. I'm sure you thought you'd never get to that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we done with number two. Uh, there's a request for decision regarding council attendance's pride parade. I don't think we. There's there's one item, Your Worship, on the that was added as an addendum on the agenda for under unfinished business for the rec left. Uh, we'll deal with is that unfinished business. That's when we were told it was going to be. I, okay. Give me later, but. Uh, let's let's just get it. We'll we're on a roll here, and you're you're trying to stop us. Request for decision. Council attendance of pride parade. This generally doesn't take. Uh, this is uh, a recommendation is made to enable uh, the mayor and councillor councillors to attend. We haven't refused this in the past. Uh, is there somebody that has objections to it this year? I'll move the motion. All in favor. Okay, that one's passed. Okay, there's a request for a decision regarding painted sidewalk pilot project. Uh, we went into some detail on this at the Governance and Priorities Committee meeting. There was a request to have a painted sidewalk uh, in the colors of the rainbow. Um, uh, there was some concerns about liability. There was, the mayor did dig up uh, the city of Edmonton's draft policy. Uh, I see that the town didn't implement any of it. Uh, went ahead with their own, their own policy, despite concerns about liability. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming that they don't want to take the precedence of the city of Edmonton. Well, we did look at that here, Your Worship, and uh, I sat down and the first item was just uh, determining where this would take place and looking at uh, a couple key features. We wanted to make sure that there was minimal impact on major traffic routes uh, doing this and then adequate uh, pedestrian control measures such as stop signs and crosswalk signs that were in place at these locations. So. The location uh, that was put forth uh, was right across from the ATD location. Uh, that location uh, is fairly low traffic volume through there, good sight lines, uh, have adequate traffic control measures and there's a stop sign at that location and uh, also there's an established crosswalk at that location as well. So and then it took place, you know, and looking back at what we have the established uh, standards in place right now, and uh, and this I'll give uh, full credit to this, uh, you know, 
uh, on this one. Uh, you know, it, uh, she brought forth a, an option uh, when we're looking at how we were going to place that crosswalk there. Because uh, we looked at uh, parallel line, or parallel versus horizontal lines, so it was like the uh, zebra type pattern. And what uh, she found uh, in Kelowna was a, a zebra type pattern that, uh, you know, I think gets us 95% in compliance with the, the traffic, uh, the highway traffic pavement uh, marking standards that are established by Alberta Transportation. So I think, you know, you know, it's as close to compliance as we're going to get and something I feel fairly comfortable uh, with endorsing as well. Uh, so in that regard, so what I'm going to do is just uh, pass this over to Autumn and she can discuss the options. Sure. So um, <clears throat> in looking at it, we came up with three options. The first one is to initiate a pilot project to paint the crosswalk that crosses 99th Street. Located at 99th Street and 100th Avenue in the colors of the LGBTQ2 plus pride rainbow. Uh, the advantages, potential for positive public relations, potential new avenue for downtown beautification. Disadvantages, it will obviously not be fully compliant with municipal standards and practices or the uh, pavement parking guide. There's potential for a claim of liability if there's a pedestrian involved collision. Financial implications are minor. Public works will need to ensure white crosswalk bars are redone so that maximum contrast is maintained to identify it as a crosswalk, even with the unique markings. Uh, option two would be not to permit the painting of the crosswalk that crosses 99th Street, located at 99th Street and 100th Avenue, um, the colors of the LGBTQ2 plus rainbow. The advantages, there's no issue of liability to the town. Uh, disadvantages could result in negative publicity. Uh, financial implications, none. Option three, direct staff to investigate other options, such as, but not limited to, banners, sidewalks, murals, on walls, buildings, or infrastructure, or similar options. Advantages, there could be new ways to beautify downtown and engage residents that we haven't come up with. Uh, disadvantages, time to investigate would mean the project would not be implemented in time for 2017, uh, for the 2017 Pride Parade. Financial implications of that are unknown at this time. So we're recommending the council direct staff to initiate a pilot project to allow the painting of the inside bars of the crosswalk that crosses 99th Street, located at 99th Street and 100th Avenue in the colors of the LGBTQ2 plus rainbow, pride rainbow, using the Alberta Highway Pavement Marking Guide uh, zebra pattern. So the idea with the uh, pilot project would be to come back in a year and formalize what we've done in, if council is still interested into an actual policy to look at it going forward so that if other groups were interested in painting a crosswalk for whatever, uh, maybe the Ducks Unlimited wants to go put a bunch of ducks somewhere or I don't know, something, that would be feasible through a policy framework. This would just be sort of a pilot project. Sorry, I don't know. Okay. But no animals will be heard in the uh, exercise <laughs> of this pilot project. Absolutely not. Okay. So uh, did you uh, consult with the uh, LGBT community on on this museum, and are they satisfied with this? It seems like such a. I just picked up my phone and contacted all of them. Yes, I spoke with the Peace Regional Pride Committee, um, and they've already actually had, I guess, a small feelers going out to look for suppliers to possibly um, offer paint and that kind of thing. If I volunteer, told them to relax on getting the paint until we've sort of told them what kind of paint to get. 
emphasized drug marking paint, but um, but this wasn't really what they had in mind. They had more a horizontal crosswalk. They idea. specifically referenced Edmonton, but I mean we can do this as a pilot project. Right, right. Gauge public interest. So, but you you for this yes. alternative to them, and they're yes. they're they're good with it. I just don't want to appear tone deaf to this community. No, I don't think you want. I forwarded this exact thing to their Facebook group and the response was yay great and I think the other one was I hope this goes through. Okay. So whether they clicked on it, read all the way through, saw the thing at the back, I don't know. Um, but if we find that there is, uh, that this isn't exactly what they had envisioned, there's always a chance to come back to it a year from now and see. Who it is. That's, the, that's the great thing about a pilot project. Okay. So uh, any questions? Um, Mr. McQuaid, the, the only, well, the one question I do have is if somebody does get hit in a crosswalk, what is the liability? The, the liability is that somebody could go back and say you're not following the, the guidance and the standards exactly. Uh, but I think, you know, I can present a pretty strong case against that, you know, given, and when I looked at this, and when Autumn brought this forward, said, you know, it addresses a couple of key things that we're looking for is, uh, is that target visibility that I talked about last time and high contrast. And it, it, I think the way we're presenting it, it will be identifiable as a crosswalk. Uh, and so I think we're kind of minimizing our, our risk in, in going forward with this. Given that there's one in a million risks that somebody will be hit there because of because of colored sidewalk and there's not a million cars that pass through it, I think we should be safe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually I support the idea. I talked to a friend of mine at the uh, that's an RCMP member and they they basically treat sidewalk as a or a, a crosswalk as a crosswalk. It doesn't matter what color it is painted. Um, the other concern, or the other, not concern, the other thing that I heard is as far as doing this as a pilot project so that we can develop it into policy where other groups may um, want to take part in this. Um, there is one group that I am aware of that would be interested in this later on as far as like doing ducks or bumblebees in a school crosswalk at the little kids school. So, uh, Probably going forward, if we're going to look forward to that, I'd probably like to stay with kind of established standards like the, the, the bars as present and, you know, you vary the colors or whatever those bars you want to, uh, and I think if, if we kept it that done and you're still, it's very visible as a crosswalk, identifiable as a crosswalk and that contrast is there. Is something I was wondering we were looking at this, uh, sorry, uh, Councillor, is um, there was a, a situation and a concern uh, of putting it in certain um, uh, sidewalks that actually attracted kids to the sidewalk, or sorry, to the, the, the crosswalk, um, unintentionally and not paying attention because they were looking at the bumblebees and jumping out there and not actually physically looking at it. So uh, that's why you're looking at certain standards, and we looked at. Uh, um, like this particular uh, street and crosswalk, if you took a look at the, the standards in Edmonton, they did say they wanted something that was high visibility, that was established, that did have stop signs or light control. And this one here did have uh, uh, the, the, the established stop signs. People were fairly aware you got to stop. It, it was in a regular spot that um, some other locations we looked at, 
wouldn't have been as optimal because some people could have been confused if they were new in town and not realize that that was a crosswalk. So uh, there was quite a bit of look, looking at all the different locations and trying to um, identify the best one right at this time. Well, just very quickly, well, uh, well, the public workshop is out doing the bright colors. What's chances of expanding the project somewhat? Uh, what I'm referring to, I think most of us have been at that intersection. If you're driving north, you're trying to make a left-hand turn. Nobody in Peace River knows the difference between a left lane and a right lane. Uh, what, what's chances of putting a, a center, and I presume there's a stop sign at that corner, not a yield sign. So I'm going north. I want to make a left-hand turn. Can we can we actually put a, a short indicator line north south, making a left lane and then a right lane? <laughs> and again, from a safety point of view, you're now breaking up lines of traffic so that people can see the bright-colored uh, crosswalk. Does that make sense, or am I the only one that doesn't know how to make a, a left-hand turn when there's ten cars in front of me and they all want to go a different direction? No, it's just a case of kind of stretching our painting budget to accommodate okay, well, I, I as would, much marking as we can. Okay. Well, I would hope you could extend a center line to the south and put a left-hand arrow in there somewhere. If, if that value-added comment's worth anything for you. Actually, I, I was thinking something. That's a it's actually a kind of odd little intersection. So maybe that's maybe that's the issue there. Is not very good marking, so. But anyhow, uh, motion. Anyone want to make a motion here? Even if it is just to get out of this room? <laughs> I'll move that um, <laughs> council, um, uh, I move that council accept the recommendation by administration. All in favor. Okay. So uh, there's Mr. McQuaid, don't move. Uh, there's a request for a decision on the award for the 2018 Neighborhood Infrastructure Renewal. So this is 2018. This is the River Road. And this what is, do we call that community that's just, just south this of This is following 99th Street down. Uh, it's South River Road. But there are also you're looking to do some uh, some of the streets that tie in as well, right? That's correct. So when we looked at this we uh, went out to tender and asked our consultants to not only look at a one year program, what that would look like. We also asked them to look up to three years if uh, the amounts that we're looking at involved were more warranted to a three-year program as opposed to getting it all done in a one-year program. When uh, our results came back, it was fairly evident that we were looking at more of a three-year program. Uh, so we went and did uh, a two uh, envelope system on our RFP that came back in. And the first part was the technical evaluation where we rated uh, each of the firms on the, the technical submissions. And then we also, uh, once we've established that, then we uh, opened up the second envelope, which was their proposal pricing. And then we kind of ranked those on a finan financial score 
as well. Uh, the score, the financial scores out of 10, uh, we had, I think, about nine different items that we evaluated under the technical score of each of the proposals. So under the technical score, uh, Velocity Engineering came out on top with 78 uh, points on that one. And then on the financial score, Airstone Associates was a little ahead of Velocity Engineering on, on that behalf. But the total score when you add them up, uh, Velocity Engineering was uh, deemed to be uh, the, the chief proponent in that one there. Uh, so the auction that we looked at in there was to award the work to Velocity Engineering as recommended, and then just follows the processes laid out for the request for, for proposal. Process is designed to engage the engineering firm that has shown the most relevant experience in the project and the most and most uh, comprehension of the assignment. The process would reflect in the selection of the engineering firm, which would provide services in line with the town's expectations of the neighborhood renewal program. So the financial implications and no real disadvantages that we noted in this one. Uh, the financial implications uh, are that. We commit the town to 432520 over three years and 144217 including geotechnical services. So this is $44,200 higher than the budget amount of 100000 for engineering and water for this project in 2017, but it's much lower in subsequent years. And uh, I've got a little chart further on that kind of illustrates that, and we'll kind of discuss that in a moment. Uh, option two is to award to another engineering firm that submitted, reject all submissions, or delay the award. Advantages there are none. Uh, disadvantages possible to uh, delay to competing, completing the design and the overall project. Awarding to another consultant would not be following the weighted scoring as laid out in the request for proposal. Uh, financial implications would vary on which firm is chosen. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the financial implications uh, for the project. So in 2017, the capital budget for the 2018 Neighborhood Renewal Project was projected to be $100,000 for engineering uh, to be expended this year and $100,000 to be expended in year two of construction. If we extend this out to three years of construction as proposed for the project, then the funding model uh, becomes uh, what we've shown uh, in the table there where we've allowed for a hundred thousand this year and this is what was reflected in the capital budget we allowed for a hundred thousand uh, this year hundred two thousand five hundred in 2018 and hundred two thousand five hundred in 2019 for the neighborhood renewal project so and then uh, so that was for design and then construction administration post-construction uh, what we had allowed for in the capital Budget over the next three years was 100,000 in 2018, 102,500 in 2019, and 100,500 in 2020. So the total engineering fees available over uh, the period between now and 2020 were $610,000. So as mentioned, the funding model required for the project is higher in 2017 by 44,200, but substantially lower in 2018. So the, if we went with the recommendation, there again we're seeing basically all the design budget being expended uh, this year, so 144200 
and we allowed for a total budget of 305000 for that piece. And then uh, the construction administration and post-construction budget uh, over the three years uh, of construction, uh, we had allowed 305000 over those three years and we were coming out with the recommend, uh, for the recommended consultant of 306220 So the total engineering fees all told be 450-420,000 if we went with recommend, recommended consultant and where over the period of three years we allowed 610,000. So looking at that, uh, we do have some substantial savings overall by uh, doing all the engineering uh, for the project this year for all three years of, uh, of future construction. And then what we would also look at is uh, with doing all the engineering this year allows us to uh, go to a contractor in say November, December, go to a contractor and uh, put in uh, a bid at that point in time and we can lock that contractor in for three years. So that way we've got three years of known uh, capital expenditures for the construction at that point. Sorry, is it typical that you would do a three-year project's worth of engineering in the first year in the first year uh for projects such as this where they're all interconnected uh it just it saves the consultant a lot of time being able to engineer it from start to finish all in one year because instead of kind of breaking it up into individual years because now if he's going to uh the way we're kind of looking at it if we do uh one uh, go to proposal in the fall for uh, construction purpose. We only have to do one construction package uh, for that whole bid, as opposed to separating three bids. That's going to introduce additional costs for. Okay. Any other questions? So, uh, and just to. One of the interesting things I also uh, saw that was in Velocity's proposal was uh, they did uh, provide us with a rough estimate of what they uh, felt the construction budget was going to be over the next three years, which was 5.9 million. And the estimates that I put in for the next three years for that portion was $6 million. So right now, as we go into it, we're, we're kind of on the same page. Uh, for the amount of construction that we're looking at. So, um, two questions. Uh, first of all, can you just uh, refresh our memories as to why that particular section of town infrastructure was picked over, I don't know, something else? So overall, we looked at a number of things. We looked at the condition of uh, the sanitary, the storm, and the water lines in that area, and then combine that with the pavement structure. So if you take all of those four things into consideration, it's clearly the worst part of town compared to even going up into the north end. So how does that compare with the um, is it 103rd Street, the very far top south end, the unfinished, uh, I don't know, couple block section? So um, this, this 104th, whatever. Uh, up at the very far end of the south end of town. And, and how we determined that was uh, we went into our GIS program and kind of went uh, 
the age of the infrastructure in each of those areas, and this is what we had found was this is the older part uh, that was in far worse shape. Okay, second question is um, for, so this has really become um, a little bit mislabeled if we go for the three years. It would become the 2018, 2019, and 2020 neighborhood renewal projects, right? That is correct. Not just the first. And in um, part of that, so $2 million a year, um, are we still thinking, say, 900000 comes from the mill rate? Per year on this, and where would the other 1.1 million come from each year? Well, I'm going to get uh, Director Count to jump into a little bit. We have identified in the upcoming, uh, in the five-year capital plan, that monies will come from um, MSI monies, gas tax monies and potentially other funding sources. So our commitment is to at least double um, our um, levy amount. So about 850,000 doubled, that'd be 1.7 million. Um, with those funders to be confirmed as we uh, get closer to actually initiating those projects. So when we sign this contract, if we sign this contract, we're committing to spending two million dollars a year on this particular project for 2018, 2019, 2020. Uh, that that commitment will be uh, presented back to council uh, when we go to bid for the contractors and get those bids in and assess them and then do a recommendation for work for construction. Okay. At, at that point, that's so the commitment is for the engineering right just now. For the engineering so, portion. Okay, then the other question I've got is the way that they bid this with just that one fee for design, not subsequent years of design, is that sort of, I don't know how to ask this question because I'm not an engineer, is that like an innovative concept for design? Like I don't understand why we budgeted it with three years of design built in and yet got a bid with one year design. That's what's making me nervous about this. So the, the bid actually was for the 450,420. So Velocity submitted a bid for all three years because they submitted a bid to include for design this year and then construction administration in the subsequent years. Yeah, well, I guess. So the, con so the uh, what I would be recommending is that we accept the bid for the 450,420, but of that, uh, of this year's commitment, we would only be responsible for 144,000. Sorry, no, I understand that. What I'm what I'm asking is, is like with our budget, yes. we budgeted for three years of design, yes, and three years of of um, construction admin and post construction. So the the winning tender at this yes. point, or the proposed ten winning tender, has only proposed one year of design and three years of construction admin and post-construction. Why did they not think, like why did we think we needed three years of design and they're saying no we can do it all in one year? Well it, what it was was uh, when we went into our consultants we asked them to give us multiple options for what they could put together. Uh, this is the uh, uh take on it. The other firms looked at doing engineering in uh, over one year and uh, to 
the I think it was up to a high of seven hundred thousand for uh, fees for for some of them over two years. So when we looked at it, uh, it was probably just the best balance of uh, getting. When we look at the overall engineering uh, for that uh, and the amount of years that there was get done, and just was the one that fit in best with what we had in our capital plan. Okay, so basically you have three projects. Yes. That we're and moving into and one. each project would require engineering. Yes. But Velocity looked at the contract and they said, listen, instead of doing the, the uh, engineering for job one this year and then doing the engineering for job two the next year and doing the engineering for job three in year three, we'll do all three engineering designs in one year and you'll have the engineering designs and all you'll need to do is go out for your construction. Business. That's correct. And, and, and I think one of the bigger differences too compared to the previous um, projects that we've done in, in, in the neighborhood, we know this is all connected. If it wasn't connected, it might have been a little bit more expensive because they'd have to go in different areas. But because it's it's just a continuation, it's 10 times easier to do a project like this if you're going from beginning to end. That's all connected. And so coming up with this innovative technique of trying to say, hey, look, how can we save money and still try and get this project through? That was my question. That was basically okay. it. So it's all interconnected. So I guess my question around that is they're paid out the 144.2 in the first year and they get all their engineering done and then something pops up and they got to do some more engineering, which happens. Yes, which happens. So then where does that money come from? Well, we do have a project contingency in place that's built into our capital plan for, for elements like that. Okay. So, and I haven't addressed the contingency amounts in, in, this, uh, in these tables here. So these are just basically what we evaluated for engineering before contingency. Um, does this plan mean that um, that whole street section and the side streets would be torn up for three years, essentially, until it's paved finally? You know, we would probably look at uh, getting through a section of that, and, and that's going to be a discussion uh, between ourselves and the successful component uh, of how to stage that to minimize interruption. And I think some of the side streets have some, let's say, older trees. Mm -hmm. So would the same issues be happening there, perhaps, as with the 84th? Yeah. And that's one of the things that we discussed with all our consultants that, you know, we would look at some innovative methods in that area, same way as we're doing our 86th. So if we can do a section of the sanitary line and we can just do a relining program on that, if we go through and when we camera the system and we're able to reline it, you know, not only does this uh, save us dollars, but it saves us in the amount of interruption to residents because now uh, we don't have to rip up the entire road. We can just rip up little portions that we need to get in there to put the relining in. So, Two million a year. That was more or less, you know, part, parts of that were more of a conventional system. But we're going to try and maximize uh, being a, a, what's called a SIP program, a casting place, uh, or it's a casting place resin sock to blow through, expand and cures in place. Uh, 
So we look at maximizing that as much as we could uh, to minimize impact on residents. And as going through uh, one of the things that Velocity also put forth, and they have, uh, since they're also doing 86th Avenue, they've got a pretty good idea of you know, what we're running into for resident issues in those locations as well, which is also you know, a clear advantage in this case as well. Uh, and they're very familiar with the program where we're going through and offering residents the opportunity to, you know, if they want to improve their services, that they can, they can sign up and while the contractor's there, they can pay the contractor to have their services be done as well. And move to three years. Move to three years, that as may be appropriate at that point in time, yes. <coughs> Okay, uh, so I do have one more question. Then. Yes. So we haven't budgeted that extra 44,000 out of this year's budget. That's correct. So is there going to be a request to come and get that fund out of some other? Well, that would, be, that would be part of this request as well. So where are you taking that 44,000 out of your capital reserve? Did we not identify that? And while you're thinking that would be paid back into the reserve the second year because yeah, I think that would be the case. I would just take it as the capital reserve and then replenish it from subsequent years because we won't be expending uh, as many in funds. All the times I've heard that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I would just um, suggest it come from our general capital reserve. I'd like to see a funding source if possible. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so what's your recommendation on this? Because your recommendation is Council Creek Administration's recommendation of Velocity Engineering Inc. for the 2018 infrastructure renewal and the town enter into an agreement with Velocity Engineering Inc. for the amount of $450,120 with, with with what? With X dollars coming from, with X dollars uh, uh, from? 44200 from reserve. So actually come to think that uh, we don't really need to, to do that because we had 700000 total that budgeted for this year's expenditure for oh, neighborhood okay. renewal. Oh, okay. So we wouldn't actually have to into the capital reserve because it's already funded fully through the capital plan as it is. Oh, okay. So, Mr. Mayor, I would move that recommendation, but I would like to see instead of just 2018, put in there 2019, 2020 as well because that's really what it, it's a three year neighborhood renewal now. It's a year by year thing, but it's those three years. So is administration comfortable with that? Mm -hmm. I, I would be very comfortable with that. So for the for the 2018 Conrad 2019-2020 infrastructure renewal that the town the town enter, blah blah blah. Yes. 
I think you missed one blah blah. Well, I'm sure Ms. McQuinn will uh, catch that or correct it in the minutes. Okay, and we don't need to state where the funding is, or should we say with the amount of 450000 uh, uh from the neighborhood renewal? The only other addition you might want to consider, Mary, your worship, is so for the amount of four hundred fifty thousand four hundred twenty to be expended over uh, the period of twenty seventeen to twenty twenty. Well, you're making it more complicated already. So, so what you want is the council approves the legislation's recommendation of velocity engineering for the 2018-2019 and. 2020 infrastructure renewal of the town and that the town enter an agreement with Velocity Engineering for the amount of $450,000 and $450,420. That's correct. That's good. Okay, and you're making that motion? Yes. All in favor? Okay. Do you worship? So actually, uh, just one question. So that will, uh, so the whole neighborhood renewal will be sitting in the same part of town for three years. That's correct. Uh, having said that, you know we're uh, we're currently working on our crack ceiling and pavement program, and right. one of the things that we're looking at doing is uh, so we should have something for information for council at the next council meeting. We need to incorporate that into the capital neighborhood renewal so that people don't feel that they've been forgotten by the neighborhoods and feel that they've been forgotten. And this might quick give a quick update on the tender there. We're going to uh... So, uh, just a quick update on the rec center tender. We had a mandatory site visit with uh, the five shortlisted contractors last Friday. And one of the questions that came up was uh, there was several requests for tender extension. Uh, their request was for the 25th of May and uh, in discussion with uh, with Director Bell and the CAO uh, kind of looked at the 23rd is what we would feel comfortable with. But in, that would be uh, if we extended it to, to the 23rd, we would request a special meeting on the 29th of May to present a recommendation for award to council. So in doing this, uh, it doesn't really affect the project start time or the projected solid turning that we would that we're trying to organize for the 13th of June. So those two dates wouldn't be really affected by this. And I fully uh, think that uh, by, giving, by granting the request, uh, it's going to allow the contractors to tighten up their bids all on that much more and get us uh, some better pricing. Our concern was when they, they brought this forward was that uh, um, we wanted to make sure we had accurate bids and they were in depth and, and that's why they, they wanted a little extension. But the big issue is how is it that council is we would have to have, we were, we're requesting that we have a special council meeting on the 29th and normally we wouldn't uh, be meeting on the 29th. So that's, that's how it affects council. 
And if council was fine with that, then great. If we decided to wait till the regular council meeting, that wouldn't happen until the um, second Tuesday of June. And then we'd be concerned about physically making sure that we have this, everything else in a row. So I guess my question is, if that special council meeting, that would be a one-item meeting? It would be a one-item meeting. Thank you. So before we go to the special council meeting, so we have five contractors show up in here? Yes, uh, we originally had the 18 contractors submit right. on the expression of interest that we've discussed before, so, and that so, was narrowed down to five. So the five of them collectively wanted this, or one of the five? I think there's two of the five. <laughs> so we're changing, okay. But it's not unusual on large projects like this to get a request for, uh, for tender extension. Okay, so can you, what, what, what did the two, what, what, what did the two observe in a site visit that said that they needed more time to redo their bid? Well, their request came before the site visit. I always thought it was a short timeline. Like, I don't like to do like, you hurry up, you're going to get rougher numbers to get competitive. Yeah, you, you want to push your contractors and uh, there's, there's always that chance they'll request a, a tender extension, uh, but I didn't want to give them too long. But, uh, and appreciate that there's a lot to put together for this one. Do their tenders include um, their work hours? Yes, and basically they're gonna, when they submit their tenders, they're submitting their numbers and plus all the numbers for the, all those subcontractors as well. So, so it's, not, it's not just the, the, the contractors that want the extra time, it's all their subcontractors as well. So it includes working on Saturday, perhaps Sundays, and... Uh, that, the question came up as to hours of work on site, and we said uh, they could work from uh, Monday to Saturday, and with uh, 7 to 7 on our Monday to Friday, and then I think it was from 8 till 6 on Saturdays is one thing, but um, we kind of, uh, at that, so the site meeting said there would be no work on Sundays. Why are these, are they, do they all observe the Sabbath or what? No, it's more, more for the residents, for the contractor. Give the, give the residents at least one day off a week. I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm a resident and uh, we've been talking about this since forever. Um, so uh, this, uh, Mr. Needham. So, so what happens on the 29th when the other three say, uh, gee, we need some more time? Well, I guess we'll figure that out, but uh, since you, you're keen to keep the item on track, uh, can you make a motion to have a special meeting to award the uh, Peace River Regional, what is it, what is, what is it called? Peace Regional Recreation Center. Okay. How come it isn't the Peace River Regional Recreation Because the region is paying for it. Well, we're paying the bulk of it. Keep Don't that in there. mind. We're bearing the burden. I, I will move so, a meeting on that 29th of May, Your Worship, uh, independent of what the name is. To award the uh, to award uh, the contract Peace Regional Multiplex contract. <laughs> okay. 
But, but we did have, like, you tendered this last fall, right? Well, no, only the contract amount of $142,500 was tendered, put in place. It's in this particular capital budget. It was the additional work and the change, change to the work. So the pickleball lines was a complete add yeah, just in the last month and a half. Um, the increase to 12 feet uh, high fence was an add also, which we discussed at the um, the capital budget meeting, but the adjustment was not made to the final capital number. Because right. I thought there was yeah. some, some concern at the council table, but that's yeah. what and be high enough. It, we just didn't adjust. If I had put in a contingency, of which I'm learning from the engineering department to do so, <laughs> then we would have been co well covered in this project. So. All in favor? Thank you. Mr. Mayor, I don't know how do I ask that administration uh, prepare a report about the uh, reserves to date and things that are coming out to, I don't know, do I make a motion or just yeah, make a motion? I move that administration be directed to prepare a re report on the all the reserves the town has, including um, any allocations from the 2017 date. Are you going to have one, Mr. Parker? Uh, Director Cowan would definitely have that done. <laughs> so, are you going to have time to do that, Mr. Cowan? <coughs> Absolutely, it won't take that long. We've done a lot of that work showing revenue projections and reserve projections and forecasts anyway. Okay, all in favor? Okay, um, so who wants a break now? Yes. Yeah. I can hang out. Okay. Okay, reports. Check registry. Any questions of administration on those? I'm hearing two no's. I would uh, put a motion on the floor to accept the check register as presented to your worship. So reg check registries, I guess, same? Eh? Correct. All in favor? Uh, we have three RCMP Western Alberta District reports. Um, there's, I don't know if there's anyone in the room that can adequately answer these, but uh, if somebody has a question on them, please pose it now. If the administration can't answer it, then I'll pass along. A motion to accept for information. All in favor? Okay. Okay, we've got uh, under information, we have six items. We have a letter from Alberta Transportation regarding the 50th anniversary of the bridge. I didn't read this one, what does it say? It says thanks. Uh, they haven't committed or what? It's actually written to a resident, we just got a copy of it. Oh, okay. Uh, but they did commit the town to her. Transportation work with the town and the community to do something. So. Okay. Um, there's no 
the second item is GPRC, which isn't really relevant to our community. Uh, municipal briefing notes on softwood lumber. I think we'll just leave that for uh, for uh, people to read in their own time if they haven't. Uh, there's a, a letter from the town at six minutes regarding our uh, our position of the air ambulance service. Uh, Money Peach Watershed is having their annual general meeting. Um, it's being held here in Peach River on April the 26th. Um, May. May the 26th. Mm -hmm. The letter was received on April 26th. Uh, I see you're not up for re-election, Ms. Randrick. Correct. So, uh, is it, it isn't necessary for us to attend. <laughs> <laughs> now, you want to find out about the watershed. We, there is a Mr. Church who is apparently quite well up on the Peace River that is presenting that day, should you want to come to that part of it. And it starts at what time? Um, I'm thinking around 9 o'clock. So perhaps we can get communications to uh, advertise uh, this AGM um, and get people out from the community out to the AGM. It's a Saturday, right? It would be a Friday. Friday. Okay. Uh, and we got a thank you note from the Peace Region Performing Arts Society uh, um, in, uh, in conjunction with their uh, their uh, their grant, the grants groups that we gave them, and there is a uh, two tickets here. Movement Speak Stance and Performing Arts Center presents. Uh, the 2016-27 season showcase, um, it's a Mother Day's Tea, May the 13th, I have two tickets. Who would like to have the two tickets? Excellent. Okay, uh, motion to accept items 10.1 uh, through 10.6 for information. I'll make that look for All in favor? Are there any notices of motion, uh, Mr. Parker? There are none, you worship. Uh, seeing no, no members of the public in the gallery, I'm going to assume that there are no comments uh, that the public wishes to make at this time. Um, key communication items. Uh, what are you, what are you going to, what messages are you, you going to deliver, Ms. Yoon? Pretty straightforward, I think. We've got a little thing out on the uh, green trip transportation, just outlining that we're returning the grant but not closing the door on transit. Uh, we've got the proclamation for the hospitality care week, um, the painted crosswalks pilot project, the neighborhood infrastructure renewal awarding of the engineering, and that's uh, and the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance advertising. Yeah, I think when you talk about the neighborhood renewal, maybe you can uh, highlight what areas, what towns, what uh, streets and avenues are affected. Oh, I, I've got that. All okay. the streets mentioned. So resident of one of them? I'm, I'm pleased. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a resident of oh, one yeah. of them. Very good. You get, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get, get the, uh, get the good news out to them. Then. Okay, uh, we will yeah, Yes, you want to move on. I just, uh, the community survey that was put out without utility bills, the 
survey that talks about ways for your council to improve. Do we need to, you know, we've got a meeting coming up on, uh, I got May 24th. 24th, is it too soon to talk, start talking about that or? Um, if you're looking for results, is that what you're? Well, I guess I'm just looking to promote the event, I guess. Oh, yeah. So um, we've got advertising booked through the Record Gazette um, print, and they're also doing now online advertisements. So you should see in your web browsers um, on random web pages. Not now, but after the 17th, a little banner ad will start to appear advertising it. We've got um, radio ads running the day before and the day of each of the events. They're running uh, once in the morning and once during the afternoon drive on both of those days. Then we've got sponsored Facebook posts that will be going out next week, as well as a bunch of online advertising from the town throughout the process. Okay, so that's what we're doing to promote it. But I wouldn't expect any results until after the fourth no, meeting. No, it was just the awareness question. Like, certainly the, the flyer and the utility bill was great, but I just, I think you've answered the question all around. So that's great. Yeah. for the five ten minutes and then we'll uh, go in camera.